Hello, everybody, and welcome back to OMB Reviews. I am the critic who is a cynic. How is everyone doing this afternoon? As it is right afternoon here in the Eastern Time Zone. And welcome to episode 327 of the Welcome to Asgard podcast, where today it is the Chosen of Valhalla live stream for the month of February. Have a couple of my chosen here with me and expect a couple more to come in over the next uh, few minutes. And uh, I want to say thank you to everyone who has been able to join today, both on stream and, of course, also in the chat as well. And, and speaking of that, make sure that you smash that like button if you're watching on YouTube. Light up that fire button on Odyssey. Uh, it does really mean a lot. And I have uh, the chats, again, open for both uh, YouTube and also for Odyssey as well. So let's go ahead then and get started with, with some introductions. And so today we have, unfortunately, she's not feeling very well, but she has decided to jump on uh, with us today. And that is Rosetta Allen, Eagle Rider. Rosetta, how's it going? Well, you know, between being, you know, gimped out with the leg and sick, I'm probably just going to sit here and laugh at myself most of the time. Well, thank you for being able to for jump on to <laughs> Jump on with us. Are you at least able to get any work done as you're as you're on stream today? Yeah, I've got my writing, so I'm going through all my old stuff I used, I had going, and all my old poetry books and stuff, and sorting and finishing and filling stuff. So nice, very cool. I'm glad that you were able to join us this morning. Mm-hmm. All right, we also have joining us the Empress of the Universe, Tina B. Tina, how's it going? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. It's still cold here. Um, me and Bruce are in the same city, so yeah, he knows how cold it is, but at least we didn't get the snow and at least we didn't get the ice, so that's something. Mm. Very nice. Yeah, it's, it's a little cold here this morning. It's like in the 40s. I think it's supposed to be getting down into the 30s tonight. Because uh, we're, yeah. you know, we're we're far enough away to where the the weather will definitely have some some di- some differences temperature wise, uh, but in general, uh, similar temperatures, at least similar weather wise. Yep, exactly. Well, around here is kind of like in Stephanie knows, like in Texas, you mm. just wait a few hours and the weather will change on you. <laughs> I know, right? That's how I felt just the other day with, with the the raid bands coming in because it was sunny and shiny and then all of a sudden it was raining and it was like, oh, there's a front coming through. Who would have known? Who would have known? Oh, my gosh. Well, we got so many people jumping in. While Stephanie is here, I was hoping uh, was hoping Soul would jump on. He might jump on later. But, yeah. oh, there's Andrew. <laughs> um, while Stephanie's here, this March 6th will be the 186th anniversary of the Battle of the Alamo hmm. when the siege came to an end. And unfortunately, the Texians died. But their uh, sacrifice was kind of like at Thermopylae thousands of years before uh, so that the rest of the armies could get organized. Um, so real quick and maybe um so we'll jump in i'm just gonna read because third thursday this past thursday was the anniversary of travis sending out his letter requesting aid and of course nobody came mm-hmm. but i'm just gonna i think i did this last year i'm just gonna read it again real quickly this year it's a very short letter but to the people of texas and all americans in the world 
Fellow citizens and compatriots, I am besieged by a thousand or more of the Mexicans under Santa Ana. I have sustained a continual bombardment and cannonade for 24 hours and have not lost a man. The enemy has demanded a surrender at discretion. Otherwise, the garrison are to be put to the sword if the fort is taken. I have answered the demand with a cannon shot and our flag still weighs proudly from the walls. I shall never surrender or retreat. Then I call on you in the name of liberty, of patriotism, and everything dear to the American character to come to our aid with all dispatch. The enemy is receiving reinforcements daily and will no doubt increase to three or four thousand in four or five days. If this call is neglected, I am determined to sustain myself as long as possible and die like a soldier who never forgets what is due to his honor and that of his country. Victory or death, William Barrett Travis, Lieutenant Colonel. And of course, all, all of them died. Davy Crockett, uh, Travis, uh, Jim Boy, who was from Kentucky. So uh, right now, uh, we are, um, the Alamo is doing an auction. If you jump online, I think you can find it. And I, (laughs) there was not very much I could afford, but I did put bids on a little bottle opener. It's an Amarillo with the cannon from Gonzales, which was where the revolution started. And it's the come and get it. And I also put a bid in on a little Alamo pin. So I don't know if I'll win either one of them, but I was like, oh my gosh, I would so love to be a, uh, a Texas Ranger for one day at the Alamo, but that was like $500. And I was like, I can't bid on that. <laughs> <laughs> so these little things are like, 20 25 30 so i figured well that's a little something i might be able to put out and all the funds will go to uh the upkeep of the alamo itself so uh yeah so anyway matt are you from texas i see him yeah. going texas <laughs> yeah i know I, I see him so showing some excitement as as well um and i think i may have i think he may have won a giveaway at some point but uh i tend not to remember exactly where everyone's from and it's probably for the it's probably for the best that i don't have everyone's <laughs> memorized by any means uh and i'm trying to find the um i'm trying okay commemoration online silent auction is that what it's called that that's it yeah and you, okay. you just you set up your account and they have a list of items and some of them are like a weekend in San Antonio. Um, one is going through the archeological side of the Alamo with the lead archeologist. That's it. Yeah. Uh, several of them are like state flags uh, that have flown over the Alamo for a year. Uh, yeah. They had the hard hat tour. Uh, birthday party if you have a kid <laughs> so <laughs> uh, but yeah some of them sound so cool but if you see the prices it's like oh my gosh no i can't Seriously. afford any of those so uh when i saw the little pins and the bottle opener oh yeah like, the come hmm. and come come and take it come and take it yeah when the <laughs> there's a little town called gonzalez and you can actually see the cannon that was used and they said the citizens loaded the cannon with everything like knives forks just everything Mm -hmm. and that was what they told the mexicans was come and get it so (laughs) 
Well, I'm going to go ahead and share that site with people. So there's Thanks. a link to the Alamo auction website if, if anyone wants to uh, put in for things. Oh, look at this. Meet and greet with Bella, the Alamo cat. I've seen her before. She's adorable. She was just kind of laying out, sunning herself, and I just took a picture of her. That's been a few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Rosetta, of course, being also a, a, a very big cat lover on the on the chosen. Mm-hmm. So uh, it is interesting to me, though, that it, a $600 value with a meet and greet with, with, with a cat. Well, she's an important cat, I guess. <laughs> yeah, like that's what I was, like, I was trying to think about. Okay, the Alamo was a long time ago, so it's not like this is a cat from the time of the Alamo. Right. I, I guess maybe the only thing I think of is, is she, is she from a line of cats that have lived at the Alamo for you know, generations or she, maybe, she like... could be because there is a pelican on Mykonos mm-hmm. name. I think his name is Pete, Pete the Pelican. And supposedly he is the descendant of one of the original pelicans that came to Mykonos. Okay. So, so here, this, we, this could be the same. Yeah. We, we have, <laughs> yeah. Luckily it gives us a description it says meet the official Alamo cat and Emily Morgan overnight stay says Miss Isabella Bella Francisca. Oh. Vera Mendy de la Vera Valero was uh, coronated as the official Alamo cat in 2015. <gasps> she is the latest in the line of Alamo cats who patrol the complex, defending the Alamo from pesky rodents and greeting visitors from across the globe. Due to construction of the upcoming exhibition, Bella currently remains indoors for her safety and is rarely Aww. seen by visitors. Aww. Aww. That's sweet. Yeah, when I saw her, that was back ages and ages. Yeah. Uh, it was after I retired, I think. Yeah. So. <laughs> Man, and there's been 13 bids on that one too. So, oh, I'll bet must be a I'll lot bet. of cat lovers. Yeah, down there. yeah. And cat the- people are crazy. That's why I need to actually take a bunch of these pictures <laughs> that all my people follow of Ornery and make some like merch of them. And I know the one, the Minger Hotel. I went to the bar there. That's where Teddy Roosevelt got his Rough Riders organized. Oh, the Manger Hotel, okay. But it's supposed to be haunted, and I try to stay away from haunted hotels. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, their adventures, yeah, when Te- Theodore Roosevelt gathered his Rough Riders. Long River Manor is renowned for its refined architecture, museum-worthy mementos, and esteemed history, including a long line of honored guests. Interesting. I don't think it mentions that it doesn't mention that it's haunted. Huh. I was on the phone with, because I was thinking about staying there. Yeah. And I was talking to the reservation agent, and she said, oh, we're supposed to let you know. <laughs> oh, my God, wild. <laughs> and I was like, oh, is, is this your disclaimer? We, we might be haunted. So. <laughs> all right. Here, here's one that has my name all over it. A Whataburger gift basket. Mm. I saw that. Yeah. Look at that. All the bids have gone up on that, too. Seriously. Eight bids. Yep. <laughs> that is interesting. Wow. But yeah, I thought I thought I would uh, I thought I would pass that on. Oh yeah, so, absolutely, absolutely. Because uh, I I'm such a history lover, mm-hmm. and after all my visits to Texas, I feel like I know no know more about Texas history than I do Kentucky history. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I know, that, so. I, know that, I know that Steph has definitely been a big help with that, especially for sure. And I am uh, so close. Yeah, yeah. Other than cursory studies and studying mythology of the area, I don't know much about the South. I've only been there once. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, Kentucky has a great history. Lincoln was born here, stayed here until he was about 
two years old, I think, and then his yeah. family moved to Indiana. And now Illinois tries to claim him because he spent his adulthood there. And it's like, no, he was born here. So yeah. there's a re- Illinois get out of the, get out of the way, Illinois. There's a reason why yes. people are leaving your state in record numbers. <coughs> and uh, unfortunately, Boy, is that true? Somebody who lives near the Illinois border. I mean, oh, yeah. <laughs> what I found interesting is, is that because they were uh, I was listening to it's something called uh morning wire so so daily wire has you know, a morning podcast so if anyone ever likes like you know how npr all news agencies they have like some you know morning edition where it's like here's the news you need to know so daily wire has a version too and it's actually really good well produced well made and it covers a lot of good stuff but one of the stories that they covered today or is either this morning or yesterday was about uh, the number of, like, which states saw the biggest amount of people leaving and which Uh states saw the biggest increases. So, of course, the top states were New York and California, uh, and the top two getters of people were, of course, Texas and Florida. Um, Oh, okay. But I'm proud because uh, Tennessee was also on the list of places where people are going. Oh, nice, nice. Going to freer lands. So I was going to say, people are leaving Illinois in droves, but they're passing through Kentucky to get to... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I will don't... say a lot of them have actually just come over here to Iowa because yeah. this government, because our state governor has basically said F you to Biden and it's crap. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Iowa and I think Idaho may have even been uh, on the list too. Like there were a lot of interesting uh, states that were in the list of people where people were actually going to, because you know the ones that everyone talks about are, are Texas and Florida. But it's interesting again because there are so many other states, and there was that really cool Don't graphic. Don't come on here to media. Iowa. This state sucks. I mean, <laughs> it's like you can come with your family. You can you can bring your body. You can bring your family, but please leave the policies that led to your state's destruction behind you. And uh, that's, yes, uh, that's what I'll say about uh, about that. But uh, and I also wanted to say, as as we're still we're still technically on on, on Tina's turn here, that uh, our Tina has has a birthday coming Woo! up yes. very very soon, yes. like within like twenty four hours. Twenty four hours. <laughs> well, less than twenty four hours. Uh, happy birthday, girl! So happy Thank early you. birthday to Tina. Thank you. Thank you. And if y'all can wish some happy birthday and send some happy birthday love vibes in the Sh- chat. Should, should I do the naughty thing and ask her her age? Mm-mm. <laughs> lady, lady never tells her. Age. So, so the way to wait, ask wait, is, I guess I'm guess I'm not a lady then because I, I don't care my age to tell everybody. There's, there's three ways to ask. There's three ways. There's one is how young are you today? Like I think uh-huh. that that's a better way of asking it. Then there's also um, there's also the El Cuapo way of saying it. Just saying today, Tina is. 33 yes. years old like that and sounds, and that that's my birthday. <laughs> that's my, my that's my age this point going forward every year i'm just gonna be like nope i'm 33 i've, I've hit it i've yeah. hit that point and now every every year it's just gonna be 33 and then yeah. one i heard recently which i loved and it was i was listening to a podcast where there were they, they basically explained it so for me it would be if i were to say that i uh today is the 13th anniversary of my 20th birthday that that works, and Jack Ben and Jack Benny was an eternal thirty nine year old. Mm. So bless him. Well, and bless you as well, and happy birthday. Thank you, thank hey, you. Hey, I'm fine with saying I'm thirty eight. Absolutely fine with it, and I'll be fine when it, in a couple of years when I'm forty two. Yeah, it's fun just you know 
being like 33 i'm just 33 or i'm just you know i'm 29 you know what was funny is my mom never cared about any of her milestones in aging but Mm. as her youngest child is hitting all these uh aging milestones and getting gray hairs and nearing 40 and stuff it's bugging her (laughs) (laughs) that's parents though i mean it's 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 so funny but uh Anyway, Mr. Roy in the chat. Hello, Mr. Roy. Thank you for being able to at least join from, from work in the chat. Sorry you had to work today. Hello. Yeah, we got Gary Banjo Sandwich. What's going on? Good, sir. Stephanie B in the chat, of course. hey Stephanie B. Uh, again, hail, hail from the great state of Texas. Uh, we got Shorty Story hanging out in the chat for a little bit. Thank you for being here. She should be jumping on a little bit later. Uh Dealing, dealing with just some some random weekend stuff that you typically have on the weekend. Uh, let's see. Uh, Gary Banjo Sandwich says, you had the giggles on Friday Night Tights. Me too. I guess I did. I, I did laugh a lot last night. Um, not to say that I don't usually laugh, but I was laughing a, a lot last night. I was very happy about that. Uh, Poppyton was joining over on DLive. What's going on? Poppyton, thanks for for jumping over on on the D Live. We got Matt three one seven who is in the chat. Hail to you, Matt three one seven. So he'll be jumping on at one point. Uh, Bryant Barth also in the chat. Rob D in the chat. We got Logan Wayne in the chat as well. Evan S also in the chat. John Platt, hail to you, John Platt. Uh, we got of course Andrew Hoyle in the chat. Hail up, hail up, hail to you, good sir. Uh, what's going on, man? Uh, we also had early on a two dollar sasa super chat from Ghost in the Craig, who says, uh, "Tina," with all caps, <laughs> glass of wine, hail everyone. Yes. <laughs> so Ghost in the Craig, very excited with Tina being on today. Seventy uh, B, of course, then adding on Texas forever. Uh, it's battle tested. Then Matt three one seven, also incredibly excited for Texas as well um let's see bruce in the chat hail to you bruce i don't know why you had a uh, sad face there um but also matthew and seven did confirm he is from the great state of texas oh so stars at night are big and bright deep in the heart of texas texas yes is is there a basement in the alamo oh and i always love to ask that question (laughs) i always love to ask it is there a basement in the alamo i actually did love that in when Reba had her show. There was actually one episode where everyone was getting mad at her, and she broke the tension and got everyone to be distracted by doing the stars at night and singing. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that two two of my favorite parts of Pee-wee's Big Adventure are yeah when he's like trying to prove to Dottie that he's actually in Texas. He's like, "No, I swear I'm in Texas. Look, I'll prove <laughs> it. I'll prove it to you." And he just starts off to the stars at night, and big and bright, and then everyone just stops. Oh, it's great. I love it. Uh, <laughs> And then, of course, the whole thing with the Alamo uh, is is Chris the tour guide, and you know, you know, you know, Buenos Dias, and it's oh just like the very gosh. cheesy tour guide doing all the all the stuff. And oh yeah, what she's holding is corn, oh. or as we might hear, maize. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> That's so good. And I don't remember any sort of display like that. I'm sure that was like a mock up. On a Wonder Brothers set somewhere. Oh yeah. Uh, but yeah, what was it? Oh, he got knocked out, and they were like, "Well, what's the last thing you remember?" I remember, remember. the Alamo. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, after he breaks the the record for uh, uh, bull riding. <laughs> oh right, right. Okay. okay. Yeah, because the hide to put on a disguise, he, he he goes into a trailer. He breaks into a trailer, and then he he gets into this whole getup, and it looks it's Pee Wee Herman in in a cowboy getup. So oh, it's hilarious. Right. And so they think that yes. he is the guy, yes. and so they put him on. <laughs> And then, of course, they, they keep going back to him. He's like, <laughs> in his typical Pee Wee Herman way. Uh, Andrew Hoyle had a guess and said 21. So, tw- 21st birthday. Oh, oh, yeah. nice. Thank Very you. Sweet. Uh, input latency. What's going on? Happy birthday, uh, he says. And also, have an ice cream. Yes, indeed. Have an ice cream. <laughs> Matthew one seven also says happy birthday as well. And then uh, Rosetta, were you talking to someone when you said, my name is Rosetta, a very rare name? Yeah, somebody who was okay. um, <laughs> very weird with somebody about it. <laughs> uh, speaking of, of, of ice creams, <clears throat> over on DLive, Philly the Hobbit sent an ice cream donation. Thank you. Thank you very much, Philly the Hobbit. I, uh, I, I appreciate I appreciate but, that very much. By the way, to be a little clear, maize isn't just any corn. It's a specific one, and it's actually brightly colored. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's the one that has different colors in it, right? And it's also known as rainbow corn. Ah. But just, just a little A little thing. fun fact. <laughs> a little fact of the day. Next time anyone hears someone say maize, you can say, hey, did you know? It's also known as rainbow corn, and that it's not typical corn, and there's multiple colors to it. <laughs> yeah i am a weird I... person <laughs> oh no no it's not weird at all uh because i we have friends that are um that have chickens and so they like you know will have the eggs and i every time forget because they always have to explain it to me and i'm always like yeah why are the eggs such different colors you know because it's like different shades of brown and different sizes and everything and it's always interesting and fascinating but every time i leave i always i always forget and so it's like Maybe one day I'll have maybe one day I'll have some chickens. Maybe. Oh. Yeah. Uh Laura says a happy early birthday. Uh Orange Hat reviews in the chat. What's going on, good sir? He says, I started going gray in my early twenties. Hey, same here. Uh same, same here. Twenty three was the year I found several grays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I had a lot of I started graying very early on. So again, early twenties was when I think I found my first gray. Could have even been late teens when I found my first gray hair. And then, uh, funny, funny enough, it was my first year of teaching where the grays just exponentially, <laughs> exponentially increased because that first year of teaching was, was, was quite a rough it, one. Is it, would it be kind of bad to say, yeah, my na- natural hair color was red, but it's probably gray now. I don't know because I dye my hair so much. I have no clue anymore. <laughs> Yeah, mine's yeah. I have brown hair. Is, is again when I had hair, which I still do. If I wanted to grow it out, I could. I just have a, a light patch at the top, which is why I shave it. Um, and just look so, at it this way: I'm the redheaded native chick. I don't know what to say. That know. is. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good screen name, the redheaded native chick. Maybe maybe a future future name if you ever need to make like a an alt account or something. Not everyone will know. I don't know. Maybe I'll just join my husband in trolling hunky chunky. I mean. <laughs> Oh, speaking of Hunky Chunky, he's in the chat. What's going on, Hunky yeah. Chunky? Uh, let us see. Raycor8 is here. Oh, I had to give a shout out to J-Rod, the beer guru. J-Rod, who, uh, as you remember from, I was like, last stream or the stream before that, I think it was what, he had 24 months supporting on DLive. Uh, 
it was 24 or 36. I forget which one, but it was like two or three years. And I was like, man, I can't believe one, I've been streaming that long. And two, that I've been streaming on, on D Live for that long as well. So shout out to J Rod. Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know, Moss. What's going on? I don't know, Moss. Hunky Chunky said that his dad had wavy hair, he waved goodbye to his head. <laughs> oh yes uh so uh students every year there's a there's a talent show that they do and the seniors get excited because the seniors usually it's one person sometimes it's multiple people they they all are like the host of the show and one of the hallmarks of it is that they make fun of uh students in the senior class and teachers uh so usually there's like a short joke of of some kind uh so there was one made towards the teacher this year and then for for mine they made a comment about saying that uh, you know, so-and-so's, you know, they didn't say Odin, of course, but they said, you know, Odin's hair is missing. Please, if you find it, turn it in from <laughs> office. And they were so excited about it, too, because, like, they came before It ran away in terror. Because they always... <laughs> oh, that's mean. You know, <laughs> that's so mean. I'm hurt. But they always actually... One of the kudos that, that I give to them is that they always double-check like with teachers and say, would you be okay if we made fun of you in certain ways? So the one that always gets me is when they make fun of each other, because there's some things where they say it. I'm like, Ooh, Ooh, I don't know. You think that's uh, bad. You should spend a, a few days with some of me and my friends and see your things we call <laughs> each other. I mean, well, it's, it's things like, uh, someone was talking, it was a short comment, but it was saying, Oh yeah, that's what so and so's hair would be without the extensions, and so it was just like, oh man, they're going after. Uh, and then there's they would talk about something being really high, and it's like, well, not as high as this person's ego, and like, of course, like everyone who's in there, or was like, oh. By the way, uh, we we just had a special person join as a subscriber, and the subscriber's name is Honk Honk, and uh, I'm wearing actually my free. Honk Honk shirt. Free Honk Honk. <laughs> to unite myself to the Canadian truckers. Canadian? What did I, did I say? Canadian truckers? Canadian truckers. Canadian? Yeah. <laughs> I, said, I think I said Canadian, and I was, I was like, wait a minute, what did I just say? Yeah, so the Canadian. That's another form of Canadian. At least it's an innocent mistake as opposed to when you tried to say Duck Fisney. Oh, yeah. Let's remind everybody about the time where I. <laughs> I didn't say duck, and I said something else. Yeah. <laughs> don't go, don't Love go ya. Again slip, so. Love oh, ya. Man, oh, man. I'm, I'm glad I was able to, to cut that out of the stream. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Geek Truth says, oh, and what's going on? John Platt, thank you very much for the super sticker. And I always love how it describes the sticker. So it says, a thumbs-up hand gesture with the words top. Well, well, thank you again for that. I appreciate it. <laughs> Uh, Kika Rogers in the chat also. Um, someone made a comment about me, so I want to make sure I get to that. Uh, let's see. Hunky Chunky Funky Monkey showing some love from overseas saying, Texans are not arrogant, they're proud. Darn right. There you go. Uh-huh. Uh, Brian Bar- uh, Hunky Chunky's on my side on what I remembered. Look it. Oh, I'll get to him. <laughs> I'll get to him. Uh, I've actually not seen John Wayne's The Alamo. Uh, Tina, have you seen John Wayne's The Alamo? I've seen it a few times. Oh. Yeah, and then there was the version that came out, I think, was it Rob D? I think it was Rob D 
was talking to me about the version that came out in 2004, but was in competition against Passion of the Christ, which I didn't even realize. Hmm. So it flopped at the box office. But I was typing to him, I don't think any Alamo movie has done well, okay. unless it was the silent version. I think there was a silent <laughs> version in 1919 or 1920. Interesting. And during the big battle scene, you see people in street clothes oh, of no. like 1919 or 1920 oh, but I no. think it was like everybody just turn out you can pretend you're at the Alamo just <laughs> show up and they did so I think that if we were to watch that like or by we I mean more so me um, because I can be oblivious to that that kind of thing I feel like if a lot of like modern audiences were to watch that they they may not even catch it they might think oh yeah that that that's right that's appropriate because, yeah. you know, during 1919, there was still some sense of, like, decorum, I guess, like a, a general sense of this is proper wear. This is not, you know, right. and, you know, you didn't have it where today it's like T-shirts and all that other. All that. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't when I saw the movie, it was like it wasn't overly blatant. But yeah, yeah, the John Wayne version is good. They had to build a set way outside San Antonio because San Antonio does not look the way it did in 1836 because hmm. there's a post office the hotel is there um, isn't there a so theme park they, too no theme no no that's See, Six Flags isn't there a Six Flags Six San Flags yeah but there's none near oh, all no, you not... Texans all you Texans on there where <laughs> Where's your Six Flags at? I don't remember. I've never been to that. Because there's Six Flags over Texas, and then there's Six yes. Flags Fiesta, which I believe is either in San Antonio or maybe it's right outside San Antonio. Stephanie, <laughs> but yeah, she says it, she stole Tina's wish list. She's sharing it, telling people to send you stuff. Oh my gosh! She oh. said she was. She might do that. Oh my gosh! Oh, Stephanie, go ahead and it's, post that link if it's. If she it's has. Mm. yeah Steph's right she said the Alamo is in between yeah it is a mall so mm -hmm. John Wayne had the sets built way outside where it looked more like the terrain in 1836 mm -hmm. I'm not sure about the 2004 Alamo originally Ron Howard was supposed to direct it and Russell Crowe was going to play uh, uh, Stephen Austin and then there was some big falling out and they both dropped out of it. And it was just, a, I'm not surprised. It just sounded like a big <laughs> mess of a movie. And random wrestling fact. I forgot that because I knew that his name was inspired by a real person, but Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, yeah. Clearly, yeah. Again, inspired by, you said it was Steve. Stephen Austin was the full name of the. Yeah. Steve, Stephen F. Austin. He would have been the first Okay, you all can correct me in the chat. He was the first president of the Texas Republic. Hmm. So, um, well, yeah, because yeah, because Texas was not a republic for that long. Then it became a part of the United States. Mm. Oh. And Orange Hat says, "Wait, Tina's birthday? May her day under the party tree be an epic one." <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, Rob D, thanks for being here. Uh, I have not ever heard of the Startsky and Hutch. Uh, wait, no, no. Was it a sh I thought it was a movie first. Maybe it was. Maybe it was. I have heard of Star Starsky and Hutch. Um, so it's the one thing coming to HBO Max next month. Interesting. Okay. Um, and he says, I'm waiting on Dukes of Hazard. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> HBO Max. 
that's one of the reasons, <laughs> one of the many reasons why I actually got the the full DVD set. Which um, I mentioned this before when I was doing my digitizing of that set. Unfortunately, one of the discs is flawed. So I need to remember. I need to go back and figure out which one it is because they actually had a couple of sets at the used uh, book and movie store I went to. So I'm wondering. Fun fact if- on Dukes of Hazard: when they started yeah. shutting down and destroying a lot of the southern uh, monuments in history, mm-hmm. there's a museum out near the Badlands that actually bought the original General Lee from the set and has it. Oh wow! Oh, good. I love that show. Meaning and very little chance it. of them. Being very little yeah. chance of them getting Yeah, the, the General Lee is being protected by a bunch of scalping natives, so. <laughs> yeah, good luck. <laughs> it's like, you, you, you took our land once. You think you could take our statue? You, good luck. It's like, we'll be ready this time. Uh, let's see. Edrew Hoyle says, I have some chicken in my freezer. No big whoop. <laughs> Interesting, Andrew. I think that was a reference to you saying you wanted to get some chickens. Oh, oh. Yeah, I've got chickens in my freezer, too. <laughs> That's why I, I always do that I the chicken in my belly. <laughs> yes. I say, I need to start. Uh, oh, man, yeah, next week, start of Lent. So my, my Friday abstinence from meat, it's gonna, I, I'm going to try and, I think, extend it to a couple other days of the week and then try and add some fasting. So it'll be, it'll be fun times there. Let's see. All right, so... Is this the hunky chunky comment? It says some eggs are browner because some chickens don't wipe properly. Yeah, that wasn't the one I was looking at, but wow. I know that's not the reason, hunky chunky, but thank you for that. Film Europe <laughs> says happy early birthday to Tina. Thank you. Uh, let's see. Poppy Den says hello to Philly the Hobbit on D Live. Well, look, there's a couple people over on 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 D Live this morning. That's fun. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Input uh, latency. So there is plans for Friday Night Tights to be streamed to an alternate location in addition to YouTube. Um, I think a lot of it is waiting on uh, Gary's studio to get finalized and to get finished and completed. Um, and I think once that's there, they'll start to uh, figure that out. I know that Odyssey was a top contender. Uh, obviously, Odyssey, though, is still definitely having some tech issues. Right, We had some tech issues, I remember, last uh, last stream. So um, I know that there's also been a bigger push to places like Rumble, uh, for instance. Rumble is starting to expand its live streaming to, to not just people who are... It's now, I think, the lowest paying option that you get access to streaming on Rumble. So um, we'll see. But right now, we don't have an official place for it. Um, John Platt, I saw this one. I said, Owen has obviously used head and shoulders wash and go shampoo. Hence, his hair is gone. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, Ganadians. Andrew Hoyle, making fun of me. Yeah, a Ganadian. <laughs> it sounds better if it was thought to have been on purpose and as a Ganadian, you know, gun Canadian. But unfortunately, Too not Too bad really. you can't claim that. Nope, can't claim it. I really can't. I don't know, Ma's proud to be a Texican where at least I can go pee. <laughs> what? <laughs> Uh, is that is that a Texas joke that I just I'm not getting? I don't think so. I'm so confused. Uh, Matt says the passion is technically owned by Disney now. That's very sad. Oh, that is yeah. Uh, Andrew Hoyle says Republic. I like the sound of the word. It means people can live free, talk free, go or come, buy or sell, be drunk or sober. However, they choose. Some words give you a feeling. What's that from? Hmm. Or was that just him? Yeah. No, it was what a quote. Got? 
Yeah, it was. It had quotes. in quotes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Six Flags uh, Fiesta Texas. They have a Fiesta Texas. Um, and then okay, so I must have missed it. Hunky Chunky then says, "When Odin gets to me, I hope he remembers one thing: punk is overrated." And I thought he meant punk music, but he meant punk wrestling. He meant CM Punk. Yeah, he meant CM Punk. So no, were... when I commented on what you accidentally said, right? He said he was thinking of the same thing. Oh, uh, okay. So that's all he said was just I was thinking of the same thing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I thought it was like some 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 like big thing that he was. No. Never mind. Not yet. You no. never know with hunky. You never know with hunky chunky. He'll go anything from a slight dig to yeah. wow. What did you just say? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anona Ma said he had a similar situation with the Quantum Leak disc and the company replaced it. Yeah, and that's the thing is that I, I could try and reach out, but I don't know who owns the rights to Dukes of Hazard at this point or whether or not they would even offer a replacement, to be honest. Probably. It might, might be CBS, mm. Viacom, slash Paramount yeah. <laughs> that they've rebranded. They're, they're all gigantic now. Uh, Andrew Hoyle says that was a quote from uh, by John Wayne from the film The Alamo. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, and then Stone Cold uh, Hunky Chunky says, I thought Stone Cold named himself after the $6 million man, which would make sense as he was a protege of Ted DiBiase before the Stone Cold gimmick. So, was the $6 million man also called Steve Austin? Yes. Okay, then that, that might be it then. But either way, I, I, again, I'm assuming that the $6 million man would, $6 million man would also have been uh, inspired in some way. So, alrighty, I think I got the. Oh man, J Rod, the beer guru. Thank you for the Ninja Gini. Ah man, it has been a long time since I've said Ninja Gini. So that that means I'm gonna have to pull up the old. Uh, I'm gonna have to pull up the old. Uh, what's it called? D Live. What I hate about D Live is that when you get there, it starts playing something right away. So. Let me sign into D Live real quick. But anyway, thank you all again very much uh, for you know anyone in the chat for for being here. And we're gonna we're gonna start going around the horn to to see what everyone has been working on. Uh, as soon as I check the Ninja Gini, because Ninja Ginis usually have uh, messages attached to them, and so we'll make sure that he gets he gets his. Uh... There we go. He says, first off, Ninja Gini, thank you again for the Ninja Gini. Uh, donation. So Captain J Rod the Beer Group, he's still a captain over there. Oh, Captain, my captain. He says, any chance to get uh, Friday Night Tights on D Live? I would say it's less of a chance of that because I don't know. It just seems like D Live is definitely on on the downward turn. Uh, I really have not been as active on on D Live again as as clear by a lot of people who used to be active on D Live not being active there uh, anymore. And also, I think once uh, PewDiePie signed his deal with YouTube for streaming. Now I know that he still has an active channel there that, that, that just reruns, but uh, even some of the people that kind of got uh, you know started there early on, I feel like have even maybe left. So yeah, I haven't been following D Live's uh, progress as a platform, to be perfectly honest, as as much to know one way or the other whether it would still um, be a viable platform. But again, I think it's one of those things where obviously Friday Tights is, is open to right, any of the alt tech platforms, um, but also at the same time we can only handle so i mean <laughs> gary even even with producers help can only handle uh so many different uh streams and messages and stuff like that so uh it would definitely be uh you know a crazy uh crazy thing to have more than one alter- alternate channel but yeah i think that there definitely will be a uh there's going to be at least one alt uh place and uh 
last I heard, it was looking like Odyssey was at the top. Odyssey, however, again, been having some technical issues more so recently. Rumble has been kind of picking up steam a bit. So I think it's probably between those two platforms if I had to take a guess. But anyway, uh, thank you very much for that. Ninja Gini. Okay. J-Rod the Gear Brewer. I really, uh, but, really do appreciate it. And that. much as I understand, I, you know, respect and grateful for all the people who watch you over there. I'm kind of not sorry with the guy because I can never go there at all because they mass all these really flashy gifts and stuff in the chat with their stuff. And oh, yeah. I couldn't yeah. go over there without trying to freaking seize out. So I'm kind of not sorry that people are moving away from it so I could see them. Yeah. I feel that, yeah, I wonder if there was a way, you know, for them to be able to maybe have an option where you could, like, sign in and, and have it where you could have it be where any gifts are static unless you click on them. Like, if just just in case that were to happen. Because I also understand it from, like, a from a user's perspective. This is one of the reasons why I was so excited about DLive and why I'm still streaming over there is because... It is a lot of fun with the fact that you can communicate not just with words, but also with with gifts, right? So with fun gifts and animations and everything. But to your point, it does make it difficult for anyone who has sensitivities to that to be able to to oh. utilize that platform. So I, I think that you know having I don't even a, mind gifts, but yeah. the ones they had over there were so fast programmed. They were mm. trying to program these longer gifts from other websites to this like little one second clip for chats and yeah. Instead of changing it, they were just ultra speeding it up. So it was literally like flash, 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 flash. Yeah. And it's like, no, 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 yeah. no, no. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's something that they, I think they could probably fix that in a, like just some type, somewhere in the software code for the site, just have it be where you can like switch on, like given, just give like in the settings of the chats, uh, the option to be able to, you know, basically say static images or not so that way at least people have the ability to one not have it forced on them where you know it's it's you know like again if you're just jumping over there for a second then all of a sudden it's there so that way at the very least it would Mm -hmm. be a static image and you could probably tell oh this could be or you know something that could require a lot more work um yeah go ahead don't know where it is but i know my husband found a setting for that for facebook and twitter that he turned on for me so the okay. videos and gifts and stuff don't move unless i tell them to okay so definitely so sounds like the, they have that as like so a, it's a possible technology i just don't yeah. know yeah well uh rosetta eagle rider what what you've been mm-hmm. working on Obviously, uh, we know that you uh, woke up. And again, thank you for being here today. Uh, for those yeah. that are just joining, for anyone who's just joining, uh, again, uh, apologies. Uh, or for anyone just joining, uh, we want to say a, a huge thank you to Rosetta for joining us this morning. Because when uh, earlier, earlier when she woke up, she was not feeling very well, still not feeling very well. And she decided to join us anyway. So again, Rosetta, thank you for being a, a starship trooper, as it were. That's such an ironic thing to use for me, considering where they filmed that. <laughs> and and also, uh, I just I, I need this. Was that an eighties movie? Nineties. <laughs> I was hoping eighties because then I could have said I made a joke using an eighties reference and and redeemed myself a little bit in your eyes. But, but unfortunately, it, that is that still was, not the case. I've still not been redeemed. It was nineties because my brother tried to get them to hire him as an extra. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. And nice. he was shot down for being too scrawny. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> They filmed it in the Badlands. Uh, okay, as the I'm alien surprised. terrain. I'm surprised that being too skinny because they. I, I no, guess no, if you're too in... scrawny. He couldn't look military. He didn't look buff enough. Okay, but I, but again, costuming I feel like can help 
add some pounds and add some. Yeah, but they're not doing that for extras. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is true. Uh, by the way, uh, Culture Casino. Shout yeah. out to you, good sir. He always gives shout outs. Shout hey, Culture outs, shouts, He always gives shout outs to me, and I, I always try to he give shout outs to him as well. So yeah. shout out to Culture Casino. Uh, is the viable platform? Is DLive a viable platform? Yes and no. Um, again, it really. I think it, I don't think it hurts to expand out to different platforms and and to try. Um, I can say that it was. A, it's a lot more viable as far as. Um, potential revenue versus something like rumble <laughs> i can say that for sure because rumble's monetization process is just so bizarre and and just very it's not very transparent it's very difficult to understand whereas d live it, it's it's a lot more it's a lot more transparent it's it's strictly for live streaming so it, it's not something that you'd upload videos to but you, you could live stream to but basically allows people who are involved in like cryptocurrencies to just like with Odyssey, uh, you know, anyone involved in cryptocurrencies. It's I would say it's more stable as a platform than Odyssey um, and it's crypto based. So I would say yes and no. It depends. But <laughs> Rosetta, what you've been working on? Well, it's kind of been since I can't do a lot of the other stuff. It's been writing um, okay. by a uh, lot. <laughs> Let's see, go through a ways through this one and still going all the way back here. Um, uh, That one's there. And then there's this, which is big pages of stuff. Wow. And what is that mostly? Is that um, poetry? Mostly poetic stanzas, short story stuff. Uh, I really do need to get this typed up as when we're dealing with the Hong Kong, that is about it. That okay. is a tirade to stand with the truckers in. And yeah. it references everything from you can't kill us to we didn't start the fire and the gods of the copybook headings. Nice. Is, <laughs> is, it, filled, is it filled with any uh, expletive language? Not really. Okay. The worst there, the worst Because I can maximize is, you. I can full screen you. <laughs> I was just like, I, uh, I, I, <laughs> well, for the first I, one. My handwriting's not good. It's not going to show well. <laughs> okay, okay. Gotcha, gotcha. I think the only, the only technical expletive language I used was referencing the song for Bitching Convoy. Mm, okay. So it's not that bad. Gotcha. By yeah, you way, know me enough. You're like, um, what did you by, put? In by that? the way, for, for all you youngsters out there, that is the word for a female dog. Anyway, uh, continue. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's been writing a lot, and I have a few other books I've been doing it in daily writing. So there's several books with pages like this nice. in the last few weeks. So very nice. I can't quite do my bead art because I have to lean over it enough to get the right angle for the lighting to read the spots. I can't do the drawings well because I still have shakes going on from the injury and the muscle issues, and. I really can't access my computer to do anything with the photography. So I'm kind of stuck in this chair with limited options for the next couple months, at least. Mm-hmm. So I'm writing. My husband brought stuff in and set me up a writing nook and I'm writing. <laughs> nice. There's just something comforting about the word a writing nook. Oh, it is. And this thing is, you can't see most of it here. You see here where I have all the folders, which is mm-hmm. the least honestly attractive part of it. Yeah. Wrapped around here, you got, Fancy journals and all this stuff here beside me with bins and stuff to store stuff in. You've got a little area over here for air filters, fans, and all this. And wraparound table here. More shelves for my mini journals. And even a little fridge with drinks here. Nice. So, um... It was very sweet. Yeah. 
That is very... Yeah. Well, we all know, for those that don't know, Rosetta's hubby is, like, one of the sweetest out there. Always doing so much for Rosetta. Whereas and... this is my personality. <laughs> Little what demonic is... minion, and it says just the right amount of wrong. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was, I was like, oh, oh man, what does it say? <laughs> I can't. It's a minion. It can't be that offensive. <laughs> <laughs> Hunky, Hunky agrees. He, he likes a good nook. He likes a good nook. Why do I have a feeling that's a really bad joke from him? I, I, I have a feeling that there has to be a double meaning of some sorts there. Because um, my brain, of course, goes in the, hey, he, maybe he's meaning it in the, like, Barnes & Noble. Remember when Barnes & Noble was involved with e-readers and, and they had, like, the nook? And I think they still might even have it technically. But I think they do, yeah. They, they decided to, like, they had their own technology, their own hardware, and then they I switched think- over to samsung like they they took some sam like they oh, adopted i think some with samsung barnes technology. and nobles they realized that the the problem is and the reason why borders went under is that bookstores are a very niche market anyways in today's culture and mm-hmm. it didn't work trying to appeal to the technology crowd because the technology crowd isn't going to a bookstore to begin with yeah so trying to appeal to them just lost sales so they pulled a lot of that stuff out and now they're like filling it with like fancy journals, designer leather books and stuff like that, that you can write in and use for your own projects. And that stuff's selling well. Yeah. Because that stuff for all of us who are retro and like the classic, like the feel and smell of the books, like the old leather bound parchment and stuff like that. We'll go for that stuff any day of the week. Mm-hmm. And that's stuff's high value, quick turnover for money. And so yeah. that's how they're kind of building back up some of their sales. Mm. Yeah, I haven't been to a Barnes and Noble in in a long time. Uh, a week. Oh, for you, it's been a, for you. It's been a week. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, I will say, well, that's where I got some of my journaling stuff for my stress stuff. But it's also where I got my little fancy based on traditional oh. paintings, journals, and stuff like that. Nice. So yeah, I, I love the books and journals they're doing now, yeah. and I actually do think it's a really smart market for this mm-hmm. era. Yeah, I. I think that one of the reasons why I haven't been around them as much is because in in my area in, in Chattanooga, I think there might be one or two, but they're not like necessarily close by. Whereas when I lived in New Orleans, uh, when I uh, like my parents' house, for instance, they are like right down the street from one, so I, I would be able to go there a lot more often. And they had it set up where and and I didn't see this in all of Barnes and Nobles when I would go to different ones in different parts of the country, where they actually had a section with a bunch of really comfy chairs where you could just come in and sit and you could just read, uh, which I, I think was kind of something that added to the atmosphere because even though it's like, yeah, people are technically just taking books off shelves and, and reading them. And theoretically they could read an entire book and never have to actually pay for it. Um, oh, nice. So, so there's one that's, that's, that's really close. Uh, yeah. Uh, to Rosetta. <laughs> so I, I think that that I think added to that, locations because they also had the coffee shop inside too and so people could go in you know connect with the wi-fi and everything um and then their movie section was 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 okay and their big thing i think that they're most known for now as far as like physical media is definitely whenever they do their criterion sale right because they're kind of the primary um one of they were one of the primary sales of criterion uh so that was used it used to be the like one of the only places if you went to criterion's website or if you went to Barnes and Noble, you could actually get, you know, the the fifty percent off sale that they had, you know, once once a year. And now it's like they're having that sale like it seems like twice a year or more. <laughs> and now of course you can get those same deals through Amazon and through other locations too. So 
it's interesting how how it's been uh, trying to to you know to change. And obviously, the Nook technology was something that I guess they they I haven't looked into it in a while, so I, I don't even know if they just have a new model or not. But I actually just got. An, I know that you said that you are very much more so into the old school, having the actual, you know, mm-hmm. uh, pen and paper, pencil and paper and things like that. Um, and the leather and everything. I just picked up a, cause I've been doing a lot of annotating of documents and I have been using, I have this little like tablet Chromebook and it works really well for, for, for exactly what I need it to, to do. But because I've been doing it so much, even with the little eye glare, uh, adjuster, the, uh, the, the like the color temperature mm-hmm. to make it warmer so that way it's not as you know as much eye strain it's still been you know it's still a screen so i actually picked up it's it's and this is where i wanted to see have you looked ever into or do you know anything about these e-readers where you can actually write on them and they actually have these screen protectors where it like feels like paper and it writes like paper and everything I've looked at them. I've tested a couple of them at the store, but I can still tell it's digital in my eyes yeah. and it still bothers me after a while. And you mm-hmm. know, I'm light sensitive anyways. Having this computer running too much bothers me, but mm-hmm. I mean, it's beyond that. It's the, it's a very different feel when you have the paper and the shift and the movement and the smell of the woods and all that in your hand. Mm-hmm. And with the leathers, there's just something about feeling connected to nature more with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I can I can definitely feel that, and that's why I did a lot of research before I ended up getting one. But it's, it's a company called Onyx, and they, it's called the Nova Air, and so it's one where it's an e-ink screen. So it's not it's it's you know it's the closest to paper you can get um, mm-hmm. without being actual paper itself, similar to you know the Kindle technology. And then it also though has a it's has built into it a screen protector that gives it a more like rough like it gives it more of a paper feel to it so i'm pretty excited about it because i again i i've been having to annotate a lot of documents for school and there's a lot more that i need to annotate and so i'm excited to to play around with with that technology yeah it is kind of cool you know i will say it's kind of interesting people don't put two and two together and get four considering that Mm -hmm. people having light sensitivity chronic headaches headache conditions and seizures has been steadily going up the more e-readers are used Mm mm-hmm it's like yeah. you two and two together and get four. For most people, it's not going to bother you. But if you're an avid reader who's reading a lot or you already are semi-prone to it, it's going to push you into it. Mm-hmm. And it, it amazes me how many people I've talked to who never used to have headaches and stuff, who sit there glued to their e-readers and then go, I've got the biggest migraine, and then pick it up and start reading while they've got the <laughs> headache. And I'm sitting there going... Now, do they have like the their light on all the way, or is it like? Because I haven't had really any issues. Because like compared to reading on a tablet with where you actually have the LCD screen, even when you have like the the orange light and the, and the blue light filter on it, obviously like it's still a screen. But whenever I've I've read from the actual e reader itself with without that stuff, it I haven't had any I haven't had any major impact after long long time use. It might be personal because I know I can't, even with all that stuff, it bothers me, but yeah. I have to do blue light reducing, strobe reducing and all that in my glasses anyways. So there's mm-hmm. always that, but yeah, I, some of these people, I think it's because they are slightly prone to it anyway. So they're more sensitive to it and it just hits them mm-hmm. honestly, because yeah. it doesn't seem to matter if they have it down, way down, they have it in night modes or other stuff. It still seems to bother them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know one, they've, they've actually created a, um, or what they call the organic night mode, which is an almost black, but it's more muted and dull. 
and with a oh. soft, creamy color instead of the white for the lettering. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. even that, after a while, will start to bother me, though. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, anything, I feel, that has any type of, like, uh, artificial light. Like, you know, if anything that's an artificial light is going to mm-hmm. definitely add something to it. Uh, and, yeah, and uh, Laura I just mentioned in, in the in the chat saying uh, that she has family that uses It's the Remarkable 2. I almost went that route, Laura, actually. I almost got that one. The issue I had with it was that... Um, it was definitely more on the pricey side of things, but it was not too much for me to, to maybe try it out. It, it, but the issue there is that, see, I don't get as, see, obviously I don't have a sensitivity to that, uh, to, to, to the lighting. And so I, it doesn't have, basically that one doesn't have any lighting to it whatsoever. So even if it was like at night and I wanted to maybe keep on, you know, reading and, and making notes and stuff, I wouldn't be able to. Uh, in using that one, so that that's what that is what broke the deal with the remarkable because I've heard great things about it as far as the writing experience. But kind of going back to what we're saying, like what's interesting to me is that you know we're we're having this huge push to technology, right? And especially in schools, so everyone is getting computers and everything and spending more time on them. And obviously, that means that there's now a move to like digital textbooks and everything. But I'm actually really excited because it's like this new tech, old tech. It's like I like to call it low tech. It's like low tech, high tech, um, where it is like using like the e-ink stuff. Because imagine if in schools, the students, instead of having to buy a bunch of notebooks or instead of having to buy a bunch of textbooks, could have, again, just a little e-reader that they could actually annotate, take notes on, you know, like, again, it'd be a way of saving paper, but also in the same way, it would be having some technology that they could use. And also be able to have it so that it, it's something that doesn't distract them because a lot of these readers and a lot of these uh, uh, note takers don't have, you know, the ability for notifications and such. So I'm excited from it from like a teaching perspective, because I think if if man, if just even a little bit of attention and research and, and R&D it would be done into that technology, mm-hmm. not only could we find, you know, a way to utilize that in the classroom with less distractions, but still also be like high tech, I guess you could say. But then also... Mm-hmm. For, pe- for for anyone who has light sensitivities like you, like that could be something also where that, that research could be done to find out, okay, what can we do to uh, better create a technology that might not, you know, lead to as many reactions? Yeah, and that definitely, I'm, I'm all for that. And what drives me nuts is they're pulling, they pulled all the incandescence and now they're pulling all the fluorescence. The problem is LEDs that we use strobe at a low enough rate some people's eyes can actually watch the flash mine mm. can and it's getting impossible to get lights where i can't see them flickering constantly yeah and that's big no no you know mm-hmm. and it's like well you're not making things better if you make it unavailable to have the other option because there's always people who can't do certain things yeah it's also while they yeah they may last longer for some. They don't um, overall because they take an immense amount of power to turn on and off. Mm-hmm. So they die faster because most people don't leave their lights on long term and they don't leave them on when they're not there. And with those bulbs, it takes more. And so there's issues with that anyways, but it does flicker and it does cause issues. Yeah, And it in some ways, in the production of it, it costs more to the environment. The compensation is supposed to be that they'll last longer than incandescence, but that's not proving to show true in actual practical use. So, 
at this point, it makes you wonder why are we pushing towards them more and more when they're not proving to be a great technology? Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, especially when it comes to just even just general computer use, because, uh, you know, as great as it is to be able to share these documents and and to have Mm -hmm. online testing, you know, making our jobs easier, uh, it also has that downside of, yeah, but now now we're having the kids on their screens more and it's causing more distractions and, and everything. And, and it probably also adding a lot to some of the issues that we've seen pop up, especially the last uh, few years amid so many other things too. Um, and someone uh, had mentioned in the, in the comment section, uh, G monkey 76. Uh, yeah, I agree. There is absolutely, there's something about holding a physical book, which is why I, I also, I, I don't, you know, I'm not uh, doing away with them. So I actually was able to finally pick up a copy of the, of the Cimmerillion. And this is the the mass market paperback edition, edition of the book. So, you know, I have it so that I obviously because I do at times there's there's times where I just want to be able to sit down with an actual book because there is something about having it. But then also at the same time, right, there is a convenience to having a Kindle where you can have thousands of books all on one device. And then there's also the convenience of audiobooks too, right, where you don't have to look at anything and you can, you know, drive and do stuff in the background, you know. Yeah, there's also that side of me that goes yeah we put everything onto these devices and then the government goes no we don't want people to know things and wipes everything out and that's totally a thing they're already censoring and rewriting and editing things in all these sites so anything Mm -hmm. you have in your kindles anything you have in your readers is automatically edited and altered without your consent to changing it after Mm -hmm. you've purchased it Yep, absolutely. And that's why I will always, even though I am definitely, you know, I'm kind of like, you know, Luca just says, you know, I'm, I'm for both and I'm, a, I'm the same, right? I'm all for physical books and I'm all for ebooks as well. Cause what's interesting too, and it's something that a lot of even my students don't know. And I only know it because of, of Freya, cause she's, she's very much involved in, uh, you know, uh, more sustainable technologies and such. So for her, like, you know, I talked about, you know, as far as like paper and stuff and I was, you know, I was going to want, I was wanting to get a printer so that I could, uh, you know, print out certain uh, documents and, and books and, and stuff that I knew I wanted to, to read. And so I asked her saying, I know that you care about this a lot. So, you know, what's the best way to go about it? Is there a recycled paper that's better, et cetera? And she's like, well, actually, for sustainability for for paper, it's and I think I mentioned this on stream before. It's all about going to sustainable tree farms because one, the younger trees are actually better for paper than the older trees that are being the effect of deforestation. And then also these farms themselves are sustainable because they do plant these trees and to re- to replace them and so therefore it's it's a so that's actually it's it's actually better to do that there's, than to recycle there's, there's more there's energy involved also, in recycling there's also any of the ones that are taken from where they're maintenance logging and stuff to maintain parks and forests and stuff that's needed once the humans are in the environment it will not function like it was mm-hmm. we have to do some maintenance in order to maintain it and keep it pristine and functional and so we have to do some cutting some removal some stuff to keep it functioning to keep it healthy and help the animals survive that's a part of our job as stewards of the land and conservationists so to any of the companies that specifically buy from the companies that work with states and the state parks and federal parks and stuff to help maintain the land buying from them not only gets stuff that had to be removed anyways but it's actually helped funding the work to help protect the parks and help rebuild the forests. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. And I do not, do not misunderstand when I rant about the issues I have with e-readers and stuff like that. I'm not against people having them. Mm-hmm. 
I absolutely for all technology. It's just like I am very much a physical media artist when I'm doing drawings and stuff like that. I have nothing against digital artists. I think whatever works for you and functions for you and makes your life easier, you should do. Mm -hmm. I just have concerns with it that I think we need to look into. Yeah. Absolutely. No question about it. Because there's concerns that it's just, again, sadly, it's something that people don't often think about. You know, because I think you, you, you know this firsthand. People don't typically think about those with sensitivities when it comes to no. their movies and shows and websites and such. So, yeah, totally agree. And then uh, Laura, Laura said, maybe we should just go back to using slates like on Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> yeah, go go real old school and just get like the little, you know, the chalk and the. <laughs> well, I said tapping out hieroglyphics on stone. We could just go back to that. Too. Oh, man. Could you imagine? No. <laughs> Reminds like me of I, the... mm-hmm. Like ahead. I said, reason, moderation. Yeah. yeah, I like old school stuff. I'm also not going to sit here and push people to do stuff that's just actually insane. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. It reminds me a bit, though, because there there was a, a really bad live action version of the Flintstones. And they had it where they were do, doing the actual stone tablets and everything. But it was like someone was like a very fast, quote unquote, fast typer. And so unrealistically, they were like, you know, chipping away and they were getting their stuff done. And it's just like, yeah, yeah, sure. That's how it works. You know, we can- was, that the sec- <laughs> was that the second one they made that was really weird and just whacked out? Uh, both of them were bizarre. I mean, the first ways. one was bizarre and had issues, but at least it actually had the spirit of the Flintstones in it. Yeah. unlike the second one. Uh, it was like Viva Rock Vegas or something like that. Oh, God. I think that was the second one. Yeah, That thing was a train wreck. <laughs> that thing was a train wreck from beginning to start. It yeah. just went worse and worse all the way through. <laughs> no, I uh, remember those. And yeah, the the first one had issues and there were things that criticized on it even as a kid, but mm-hmm. at least still kind of had the feel of the Flintstones. Yeah. Whereas the second one was just like, what the crap are you on when you made this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so poetry, writing, uh, obviously been something big you've been going through uh, anything else that you've been uh, working on or anything else that you want to bring attention to 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 promote and talk about the big thing i have is being able to go out and do the drives when i can because my husband has to take me out because i can't drive because that leg is the one that's gimped um so i still do some photos and do some stuff in fact we actually had a day we went out together for the whole weekend and came out to being able to track and spot a thousand eagles in a day. You said that you were able to see a thousand eagles in a day. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. How, and- what's the best, like, <laughs> cause as someone who's not a, a photographer, as someone who's not a, a, an expert on eagles either, um, how do you tell the difference and know for sure that it's a different kind of eagle or, or like, obviously there's going to be differences in sizes and such, but like, what about eagles that are like the same size, same age? Like, how do you, I guess, tell the difference? Uh, well, there's a few things. Well, first of all, of course, when you're going and you're doing a big giant loop, eagles don't tend to go more than a few miles in a day. Once they're mm. in a place, if they're not migrating, they tend to stay pretty close to where they are. They mm. just fly around that little area. So there's pretty restrictive in that sense. They tend to like to hunt near where they sleep. Um, okay. But there's also with, if you have two that look almost identical, there's few things that tend to be markers between them. A, the head shape 
will help you and the head shape and the bulkiness of it will help you tell male from female Okay. because the ones with the larger stouter more rough looking heads the ones that tend to be a little bigger are the women the ones with the more sleek back heads that kind of have that huh look half the time those are the males i'm not kidding um mm. <laughs> it's also they actually track in the eye markings and the feather coloration has slight variances and that's okay. how they actually tell them apart and in the older ones they tell them apart by the gray markings they start to develop in the white feathers on the head interesting yeah. wow so a thousand eagles yeah fuzz aldrin says mind blown and then uh laura had said a thousand eagles sounds like something out of tolkien <laughs> it kind of does it the thing is it's the only thing I really love about being in this area is the massive amount of eagles and stuff. And mm -hmm. we have several places that I've figured out are places where the eagles like to gather in groups of one to 200 and just fish and hunt together and stuff. And wow. we'll do this for weeks. Uh, Otis, they gather constantly old river down in Coralville dam at the spillway where they have everything. I officially found and helped, watch and track for the conservation work in the state over a hundred nests at this point. So wow. it's a very active life with yeah. them, but because also the duration a year and a half ago took out so much of the trees in this area mm. in a lot of the areas where the little river outlets were and stuff where they'd have one here, one here and here, a lot of them have just moved and they're just living on the main river together because more of the trees survived and there's more fish. Yeah, And so now you go where you would spot a hundred or so eagles before and now you go down there and it's like 500, 600, 700 in one spot together all hunting just crowded on a whole bunch of trees and just diving all over the water. Wow. And that's how I get a lot of the flight shots I take. Yeah. And yeah, the Mississippi River is just over an hour away from here. I'm near the Cedar River, which is also one of the big rivers, and it's the main one the eagles like to live on. And mostly bald eagles, Stephanie. Um, we do get the golden eagles, but it takes a little work because they're very close in appearance to the juveniles of the mm. bald. So you have to actually look for very specific markers on certain spots of the feathers in the beak to tell them apart from the juvies. Wow. So and so you said out of the thousand that you saw, most of them were, were bald eagles? Most of them were bald eagles. Wow. About 500 of them were juvenile, which means they're having a population boom. That's good. Now, again. Are they still, are they still considered an endangered species? They're not listed as endangered. They're still technically classified as a threatened because the okay. population we're supposed to have to properly maintain this area that we had until all the poisoning issues and other issues with eagles was actually around 500 to 600,000 in this country, whereas the normal in the old days. Mm. Our population here got down to 4,000 at one point. Oh, my goodness. And at this point, they're saying we're about fifty to 60,000, which means we're about one-tenth of what we're supposed to have, but it's getting big enough now that they're starting... than what it was, yeah. That they're starting to be found more places. They're starting to move back into more than just a couple states. They're starting to thrive better and stuff, and they're vital to dealing with rodent populations, areas where the fish get too thick and stuff. And they're also vital to helping deal with conservation stuff because they are one of the best hunters 
mm. of any species. They have one of the highest success rates and purity rates for hunting there is. Do they play a role uh, against someone as 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 not uh, well versed <laughs> on on eagles? Uh, do they play a role then in uh, like as you mentioned like fish density? I guess so. Do they do they pr- play a role in like salmon uh, population size and stuff um, like that? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, the funny thing is that the eagles, where the salmon rivers are, they're only usually in that region mm. for a few weeks of the year because they tend to either live way up in the upper peaks of Alaska area yeah. and near North Pole range or in the winter for some reason they like to be in this part of Iowa and in a little into Wisconsin and stuff area as their main mm-hmm. habitat and so they're in that part of Idaho Montana and stuff briefly okay. for a few weeks of the year but they actually kind of time their um, migration through there. So they're actually going through there and collecting them as they're doing their spawning and they're dying and stuff. They'll grab them as they're weak and take them. <laughs> mm. Which also does help clean up some of the dead fish, some of the damage and stuff yeah, like that yeah, without yeah. them. And it also speeds up their death so they're not suffering as much. Mm, okay. Yeah. Because like in my head, I always think whenever I think about salmon and like the, the time of the year where the salmon are you know swimming up up the river and everything all i can ever think of are, are those amazing images they always capture with like bears you know when when bears are like oh bears you know, do it too yeah so it's interesting how uh how you also have eagles doing something very similar i wonder if there's ever been a eagle versus bear attack that would be interesting to find out yeah. um i will say it's to the point now in the last few years of doing this photography i mean people who tend to dismiss eagles as well, it's a predator bird, so they're going to go for fish and small animals. I have watched multiple eagles kill and eat deer, so. Wow. That gives you a little perspective. They are rough. They are tough, and they are amazing birds, and they mm-hmm. really do help. They really do help cull the populations of out-of-control animals and other stuff. They actually do help preserve the wildlife. Between eagles and vultures, most of the flesh diseases, overpopulations, and stuff are dealt with. Mm-hmm. And they are absolutely vital to the survival of the ecosystem in this area. Yeah. Uh, Laura had asked, how many babies do eagles typically have? Between one and four for normal. They've had up to six, but it's extremely rare to go past four. Is that in a, in a lifetime? or That's in... a clutch, so that's once a year. Okay, okay, gotcha. So one to four, once a year. Most eagles live about 20 years. They lay eggs okay. basically till they die. Usually they don't start till their sixth year. So the average is usually two a year. So okay. 20 to 30 is normal lifetime babies for most eagle mothers. Nice. That's pretty cool. Uh, Bruce, <laughs> going on the uh, Tolkien comment earlier about the eagles saying Tolkien ex machina equals eagles. <laughs> I think it's more... <laughs> Again, I'm not an expert on the books uh, by any means, but I do feel like the movies portray them more as a Deus Ex Machina. I know, I know, in the Hobbit, at the very least, there definitely is a moment where it's like, "Oh, what do you know? The Eagles are here." Um, but uh, I think that's it's it's still funny. Uh, Rosie G12, what's going on, Rosie? <laughs> thanks, thanks for being here. I appreciate Hi. it. Um, the, o- the other thing I would say is really interesting yeah. is their cry is nothing like you hear in the movies. 
the cry that they use for eagles in movies is was actually a recording of a red hawk. Mm. And eagles actually have a very soft cry that's actually almost sounds like a cross between a songbird and a gull. They're they're actually very beautiful voices. Hmm. Wow. So interesting little weird fact. Um Yeah, seriously. <laughs> uh Rob D has a <laughs> Has a comment outside of the Eagle conversation, but about uh, apparently all the new Disney comics, uh, Disney eras, I think Star Wars comics are free on Comixology, uh, but all the all the Legends ones are <laughs> full price. It's like, yep, sounds sounds about right to me. <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, Tina, on your comment there, they really don't like the smell of people at all, and they do not go after children, even when they're oh. out hiking around them. <laughs> I just I see. Images however, however, they absolutely, they absolutely yeah, will no. go after pets. They absolutely will go after pets. Yeah, 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 yeah. So if you live in an area where they do have some sort of protection so your pet's not like right up against them. Mm-hmm. Even if you just get like a kennel cage in the backyard so that there's a roof over your dog or something, do something. Because mm-hmm. we had in the Black Hills when I was living there, we had this dumb, dumb woman wanted to sue the city because she tied her poor little dog up in the backyard overnight and it got eaten by a mountain lion. Oh, no. It's like, you're in a city in the middle of the mountains. You're on a hill in the edge of the city into the mountains and you tie a tiny defenseless animal up out back, out in without a fence overnight oh, and don't goodness. watch it. She should be absolutely, she should be held legally accountable for that poor animal. Yeah. Oh my it absolutely sickened me. And yeah, they, they absolutely drove her out of the courts and she was absolutely put in her place for it. But yeah, I felt so bad for that poor dog. I felt so bad for it. And he says it was a smaller breed too. So it's like, why, mm-hmm. why is the dog even outside? I mean, <laughs> it's like, it's like, like you're in a cold mountain region. You're going to put a little oh. animal out back with the wildlife. It's like, what is wrong with you? Oh my goodness. Uh, Laura added, coconuts and eagles migrate. <laughs> Are you suggesting that eagles migrate? How could a five pound... It's like, it's not a matter of where he grips it. It's a matter of weight ratios. A five ounce bird cannot carry a one pound coconut. So blame the eagles for it. I mean... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> coconut could be carried by an eagle. And also apparently African swallows. Yeah, African swallows may be, just not a European swallow. That's my point. Sorry, I just... I Agreed, Rosie, by the way. What was that? She said that lady should not be allowed to own any other animals. Oh, absolutely. Totally, totally agree with that. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Segev says, A Thousand Eagles sounds like a great 70s rock band name. <laughs> yes! <laughs> That's pretty good, yeah. I love, I love my work with the eagles. I really do. And it's nice. just one thing where I feel more alive doing that stuff than I do almost anything else. Actually, one sec. I could actually send you this. One moment oh. here. I haven't, because I've been dealing with so much stuff, I haven't even thought about it recently, but I have a little clip here where I just put five of them into a little image together, which were a few of the flight shots I got at the beginning of the year. And that should be in the chosen chat now. Alright, let me see if I can. It's always... <laughs> a little work to get it up, but... <laughs> 
Yeah, it, it's more it's more of like the the way to save it. Um, mm -hmm. So let me see if I can. Okay, so that got saved. I think actually. Let me see. Now I can add things. Local video. I don't want to add a local video. Oh, uh, yeah. Hmm. Uh, Hunky says, I tried saying it's not a matter of where I grip, but the police say differently. <laughs> of course he did. <laughs> why Why am I not surprised that the hunky, chunky, funky monkey was Oh, my goodness. All oh, right, my gosh, monkey. Can... That was great. All right. There we go. Look at that. Those are a few of my recent ones. Nice. Such a pretty so, yeah. bird. Mm-hmm. They're amazing when they fly. If you actually see in the picture closely, you can see there's mm -hmm. a little bit of white sparkling on each wing right about where it breaks from one section of the yeah, yeah, feathers yeah, to another. They yeah. actually have a little white feather there that actually helps the bend point of the wing when they fly. Interesting. It's a little feather, so it doesn't show fully like the others. It just pokes this little white spot as they're flying. Huh. I really like this one in the upper right-hand corner. Yeah, I actually printed a full size of that and gave it to my aunt in memory yeah, of my uncle. The, the lighting, especially on the wings, is very, mm -hmm. very good. But yeah, those were all taken down at Old River Spillway, uh, about a month ago, just over. Nice. Nice. Very cool. Uh, let me see. There was mm -hmm. some other. And now everyone in chat goes, now we get her name, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now we understand. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, Captain J-Rod sent another Ninja Gini donation on DLive. Uh, he says, here, have another one. I got to run, catch you uh, when I can. Well, thank you very much for that Ninja Gini. Uh, for the second Ninja Gini over on DLive. Uh, uh, Captain J-Rod the Beer Guru, man. I appreciate it. Um, all right, let's get to uh, just a couple comments. Let's see. So, Rodrigo, what's going on, man? He entered the chat. Uh, looks like that's his Lenten plan. He's not doing any dairy or eggs. No meat, of course, at all until Easter Sunday. But no dairy or eggs either Wednesday, Saturday, Friday. Holy Week adds no oil and alcohol. Three days before Easter is bread only. On a, at, just like on Ash Wednesday. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. And then everyday fasting only once a day after sundown except Sunday. See, nice. I do wonder because some churches understand it more than others. So dealing yeah. with churches, because I can't go along in fasts and specific, avoid this meat, this food during this time because I have such a restrictive diet anyways and I go anemic so fast because I can't process plant proteins at all mm -hmm. that I have to eat really restrictive food and specific foods every day yeah and so i always and i've had some churches will oh that's fine we understand and some of them will sit there and say well you're only going through that because you won't do it it's like that's rough yeah because uh, in the catholic church there's <laughs> always actually there's always been exemptions uh so for instance uh for women who are pregnant there's there's exemptions to to these laws because obviously <laughs> there's you know there has to be and then also for medical reasons too um so there's oh there's hunky chunky oh man he says going without food is the only fast thing i do <laughs> <laughs> oh hunky what will we do without you 
Oh, I thought Rosetta was gonna pick up pick up on that and do like a to a joke. But oh well. I'm trying to behave. <laughs> you know how hard it is well, for me to behave that. on this channel? <laughs> you know what I actually am like normally. Yes, yes. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, because uh, and also what he was sharing that that was his choice, like because the actual obligation mm -hmm. for for Catholics is very, very minimum. Now, it's the only thing you have to do. And again, the age, the ages are also different, too, is you have to abstain from meat on Fridays only during Lent. And then you uh, have to fast on Ash Wednesday, Good Friday. That's that's it. 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 So it he's doing he's weirdest. doing a lot more than that. It was the weirdest one when, because the doctor that actually did all the testing and figured out that actually told me flat out, you cannot go a day without at least some meat. Yeah. And the doctor that told me that is a vegan activist. Mm. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. Not someone who is going <laughs> to. Not somebody with a bias towards eat meat, please. Yeah, he, seriously. He, he literally said he didn't like telling anybody that. Mm. So, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately life sometimes doesn't go along with certain plans yeah uh anything else that you wanted to uh to share today i don't know i kind of blathered a lot about eagles because <laughs> <laughs> uh eagle book is just i guess it, it's basically i've gone to like about 30 times proofreading the main book though is done i just have to go back through one more time and guarantee I'm fine with all my edits and like it because okay. um, the OCD thing and then finish filling in some information on the alternate version. And it is basically done. Okay. I just right about time. I was about ready to tell everybody I only have like three pages left to finish. I had to go for my uncle's funeral. And by the time I got back mm. from dealing with the doctors and stuff, I tore my leg. <laughs> so life, so, right? <laughs> seriously. Yeah. It's like, uh, that's one way to, <laughs> To put to put a pause on things, right? I mean, I thought I was going to do this book quickly, and that I think is my bravado speaking when I thought that at the beginning because it started doing all this going. This is insane. This is insane. So I started doing research, and oh, the average photo book takes over six months to produce with an over thirty person staff making it. Oh, oh that probably would have been nice to know before I started trying to do this, especially considering. <laughs> That I'm making it all myself and I do all the photography myself. So yeah. it's like, yeah, I probably took on too much to do a quick project. I'll be happy if it only takes a couple of years here. You know? <laughs> well, I have shared a link to Rosetta's Twitter page where you can find a pinned comment uh, that will bring you to her Redbubble store, which uh, helps to offset uh, the cost of the projects that she's working on. And is that also uh, profits from that also help to uh, support your, your kitty as well? Yeah, or... right now, definitely. Um, okay. Basically, the stuff I make in the Red Bubble, I use to either fund work I'm doing to help the artwork I'm pro doing, the charities I work with, or other artists usually. But some of that is going now to help pay for the fact that Athena keeps needing surgeries because she's got severe cysts and they have to remove all the damage. So, yeah. Fun so things. Please, yeah. Yeah. And uh, again, please, again, check out uh, the, that link to her Twitter where you can get access to her YouTube channel link and also to, again, that Redbubble, especially if you want to help not just her work, but also especially during this time to help to help her kitty. To help By her the way, out. in that Redbubble, there's a group in the top of the collections for eagle photos in the 
merch stuff. It has everything from clothing to clocks and notebooks and everything else you can get with my eagle photos in them. Okay, yeah, let me uh, open that up. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, if you put on the uh, filter, you can choose <laughs> eagle collection. And, yeah, if you go into them, yeah. every, if you click into one of the items, just one of the ones from the collection, then you can scroll down and it'll actually have an option to view this on all these other merches that are also made with this item, which I don't know. Oh, here it is. Yeah. Yeah. And it'll show you all the options for that specific one, which the options on each one vary depending on the photos mm -hmm. because some of them just don't work well on some merches, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and the size of the image obviously is going to always limit yeah, the, what it can fit on. There's all kinds of stuff for my eagles. In fact, I actually have the picture. One of our good friends, Bruce Lombardo. His mm. mouse pad that he's currently using in his workspace is actually Spirit there, the one you have open. Oh, nice. Very cool. So, yeah. Nice. Very cool. So, yeah, check out her red bubble, and you can, again, find that from uh, the link I posted up uh, earlier with her Twitter. Can you follow her at... Um, I was... Eagle, sorry. I, I, name is Eagle Rider, but it's at Rose... M I'm queen, queen one. one. Yes. My husband set it up. So we just combine several of the different names I go by. So nice. <laughs> uh, and also, uh, Rosie G12 just dropped a twenty dollars super chat. Thank you, Rosie G12, very much for that super chat. Uh, and she says, "Have to run. Great to see you all. Great to see you as well, Rosetta." Uh, sorry, I was gonna say, Rosie, Rosie, Rosetta. Uh, thank you very much, Rosie, for stopping by. Uh, great to see you as well. Hope everything is going well with with your family. And and uh, Rosetta, thank you for for sharing um, mm -hmm. all the things you've been working on with us today. All right, we got ourselves the Empress of the Universe mm -hmm. here as well, and uh, she, of course, is our. Resident movie historian. Sort and of. So, sort of. Oh, come on. <laughs> movie historian, movie buff. Uh, so, Tina, how, how's it been going? What you been watching? Well, I only saw two mediocre movies. Oh. The others, I rank pretty high on my list. And nice. I'll say up front... Um, I've been trying to watch a lot of movies that me and my mom, that either she loved or we connected over, or she was like, oh, you have to see this. Because mm -hmm. uh, she passed away on February 2nd, 2011. Mm -hmm. And her birthday will be March 14th. So I'm going to try to spend a lot of my time catching up on some of the movies that we enjoy. Uh, but the two movies that have nothing to do with that, <laughs> uh, I watched... I gave this two and a half stars on my letterbox. I watched this Claude Rains movie called The Clairvoyant. It was free on Amazon. I, I love Claude Rains. And uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Me and Andrew were talking about Birdemic. He said he didn't realize it was a trilogy. <laughs> He'd never heard of it before. I told him, yes, you have to see it because the Eagles dive bomb and blow up. Oh no! Oh, Birdemic is like actually explode. 
the CGI in this oh, movie no. is so bad, and he saw James Nunyan saw nothing wrong with how the birds were designed, and people were like, "Eagles don't dive bomb and then blow up." Oh my goodness! <laughs> and he's like, "Yes, of course they do." He's, he's terrible, Andrew. His first movie was what was the name of the first one? Oh my gosh, it's this crazy love story uh, with these two people over a computer. And it's just, oh my gosh, it's just bad. He's a terrible director. He makes Tommy Wiseau look like Orson Welles or Alfred Oh, didn't you Hitchcock. even post his name in the chat earlier? Yeah, I did. I wasn't sure about the spelling of his last name. I think it's spelled James... I think that's how you spell it. He even got Tippi Hedren to show up in one of his movies. And she must have just had a free day and was like, oh, yeah, sure. I don't know who you are. Oh, you're going to give me $100 for this? Yeah, sure, fine. Mm. So. Um, oh, I thought you were talking. I thought you. I, I was. I thought you were oh, even talking sorry. about Uwe Boll or whatever his name oh, is. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no, no. <laughs> if I'm thinking of bad directors, I'm going to think Tommy Wiseau, Neil Breen, and James Nunyan okay. before I would ever think of you both. Okay. Yeah, and, and, and at least Nunyan's films are bad enough that you can sit around and laugh at them. There's mm-hmm. nothing funny about anything you both has ever done. Mm. So, yeah. yeah. James Nunyan, and he is an immigrant. He loves Hitchcock, and all of his movies have some kind of Hitchcockian homage in them. They're just hmm. bad ones. <laughs> but uh, my two lower-rated movies, uh, The Clairvoyant, like I was saying, has Claude Rains. I, I love Claude Rains. And it was free on YouTube, and I was like, I've never heard of this movie before. I'm gonna, you know, watch it. And it was, uh, um, Faye Ray was also in it, but she was a brunette. And it's kind of about, oh, yeah, from Europa, yes, Ed Wood forever. <laughs> uh, I like that but, the, uh, the, uh, the title or the, I guess, the under, oh no, what's it called? The, uh, Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. no, what is the... What does it say? A fake psychic suddenly? It says hexed by the evil eye. What is that called when they do that? That's the uh, tagline or the tag... Uh... Yeah, the tagline for it. Yes. Um, I just love yeah. that. Hexed by the evil eye. Hexed. Yeah, he, he and his wife do this routine, and she accidentally gets locked out of one performance and so everyone's laughing at him and mm-hmm. all of a sudden he starts making a prediction and somebody in the audience is like yeah i better go check on my wife because she is in the hospital and he gets up and leaves and you see reigns mother saying oh my god i think like his psychic abilities have now are now starting to reveal themselves and it was something his grandfather would have had and so the rest of the movie is about him making these prophecies about who's going to win the uh english derby and uh this other things and it all started to kind of go off the rails and by the end of it i was like "Uh, okay well yeah i guess whatever you know and uh, but it was nice seeing claude rains and i always like seeing Fay ray Mm. in these roles other than king kong which is what everybody knows her from 
Yeah. Uh, and she did a whole bunch of movies for like, you know, RKO, but this was a, this was a British production. Mm-hmm. And the other one I saw was called Slaughter of the Vampire. <laughs> Slaughter of the Vampire. It was in Vampires, Vampire. Yeah, Vampire. Yeah, Most Dangerous Game. I got, I've got that on my list. The 60s movie. Interesting. Yeah, it's one of those Italian, German, Spanish something that's badly dubbed. And uh, yeah, there it is. Slaughter of the Vampires. And it's not as good as it sounds like it might be where at the end you're going to have this big slaughter fest um but i mean it starts out uh you see this uh these two people running man and a woman and they're being chased by the villagers and they're all screaming you know oh we gotta get them hurry and they catch the woman and they're like, you murdered babies. You murdered my wife. You murdered my husband, blah, blah, blah. And so they drive a stake through her, but the man gets away. Ah. And then we see this carriage. Male privilege is what I'm hearing. Yes, male mm-hmm. privilege. Mm-hmm. So then we see this, this coach and we're guessing this is the guy that got away. He's in the back, inside the coach and he's like, you have to hurry and get me to my castle before dawn. And so the coachman, he's whipping the horses. And so they get there and the coachman obviously has no problem with helping this mysterious man inside the castle with his casket. I'm like, he's not going to ask me questions. <laughs> and he, the coachman, then he climbs back up on top of his coach and tells the horses, okay, let's go. And they ride off and... I don't know how much time passes, but this uh, is set in the 19th century, and I will give the movie some credit. The costumes look nice, and the setting look nice, and that's all the credit I'm going to give it. (laughs) Um, But this couple, this newlywed couple moves in, and she's like, oh, I love this castle from the moment I saw it. And he's like, oh, and I just threw the money at it to get it designed for her. Uh, Headley, go down to the basement, down to the wine cellar, and bring one of our best whatever for our guests because they're having a party. Um, what's down there but a coffin? I guess. Okay, this is what got me. If the castle has been renovated, nobody saw the casket sitting in the corner. <laughs> that's a great. Like I was going to say, it's like, wait a minute. So this is a house that's, that's like been lived in, and and no one thought down in the cellar to oh well what with this coffin what's this coffin doing here because you see wine barrels around it but it was like okay the wine barrels had to have been put there yeah how did they miss this casket but they did so of course he comes out of the casket and he's looking around and so he goes upstairs parties going on he just walks in and starts dancing with the bride and everybody's like well, who is that? Is that a friend of so-and-so's? Uh, anybody know him? Well, she seems very taken with him. Oh, well, that's so funny because she, yeah, I mean, she just got married. Why is she so taken with him? And so then the husband decides, well, he's going to interrupt this dance. And this dude just walks right back out the door and everybody's like, well, do anybody know who he is? Who is he? And of course she starts feeling, oh, I'm feeling faint. I need to go to bed. Well, we always know where that's leading. And uh, so he comes in, bites her, and uh, it just goes from there. And we don't have Van Helsing. We have not Van Helsing. Oh. His, name, his name was Dr. Nietzsche, like the philosopher. 
interesting choice of name <laughs> i know and so the husband goes to get him and he's like well my friend the doctor said that you would be able to help and then they <laughs> i love that larson no questions asked in service <laughs> yes <sir. laughs> it just cracked me up because i was like i know the vampire's gonna kill him and it was like he didn't say anything about sir why am i helping you <laughs> take this task <laughs> But anyway, it's just a typical vampire movie, but you have to deal with the bad dubbing. And the lead vampire, even on IMDb, is just called the vampire. He has, he's not what? a prince, he's not a count, he's not Vlad the Impaler, he's so not stupid. anybody. He's just oh, yeah, the vampire. Yeah, you have, you have Marquise Wolfgang. Louise, uh, Dr. Nietzsche, and then the vampire. The vampire, yep. Okay, uh, seriously, wh- what the heck? Uh, and he's not, attract- he's not attractive at all. He has... There's also the servant. There's oh, and the servant. Which servant was that? It just says, it just says the servant, played the by servant. Alfredo Rizzo. Or Rit- Rizzo. Rizzo. The servant. He's been in a ton well, of stuff, but not important enough to have a, a picture of him. A picture? Uh, he, he, I think there's a might be a picture of him on IMDb. I say it's not on TMDb. Um, but it was just, I was just like, it's a typical vampire movie. <laughs> but yeah. uh, they were just kind of trying to put a twist on it. But the vampire, there is nothing attractive about him. He's very yeah. pale. He's not attractive. He doesn't have that animal magnetism of a Christopher Lee or the suaveness of a Bella Lugosi or that haunting nature of Gary Oldman. He's just there. He's just this pale dude, and these women look at him and like, ah, the vampire. I'm going to have to read what, what Laura has just said in Laura's voice. Maybe the vampire has a really nice personality, Tina. Maybe he has a nice personality. Doesn't count. I mean. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, Andrew, Fearless Vampire Killers. It's been fun. Sharon Tate and, oh, what's his name? Her, the, her husband. I didn't even realize Christopher Lee was in that. I hope Andrew's still here. Um, but anyway, it, it's just, it kind of had interesting little ending that I didn't see coming. But other than that, it's just this nondescript vampire movie that, Roman Polanski, thank you, mm-hmm. uh, that makes made me laugh. And it was on, uh, I started subscribing to Shout TV because they have a lot of MST3K on there. And uh, there were a couple of movies I looked at that I, did, I was like, I'm not even putting these on Letterbox. It's not even worth it. <laughs> well, so... I think something that is worth putting on screen is, is this comment here from Hunky Chunky. If a vampire can raise the dead, does that make him a neck romancer? <sighs> Hunky Chunky, you just lost points for making a dad pun. Oh, I love the dad joke. That's great. <laughs> nope, he just lost points in my eyes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> he has he has gained points in my eyes. So. He, that was great. That was <laughs> you have great. gone down in esteem to me, Hunky. <laughs> 
So that was slaughter, the slaughter of the vampires. The vampires. Yes. And Bryant was asking, "Have I seen Vampire?" Yeah, I've seen it. I think about three times, and every time I see it, I, I get a little more from it. The first time I saw it, I really hated it, but then mm-hmm. I rewatched it, and I was like, "Boy, I missed a lot of stuff." But it is not for anybody that's never seen it. Uh, Vampire. It is not a typical vampire movie. You don't see like vampires just running around biting people and everything. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a very slow burn. And oh shoot, Brian's gonna remind me. I think the director also did Pat, the Passion of Joan of Arc, which was a it was a critical success, but a box office flop because most of the shots were done. This was on Joan of Arc. Most of the shots were done in either medium shots or extreme close-ups. But he did base the movie on the trial transcripts. But instead of having this huge spectacle, like you would expect from a Joan of Arc movie, he wanted to concentrate more on the expressions of the actors. Hmm. So, thank you, Carl Theodore Dreyer. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, Vampire was a, another flop that he did, and it kind of took place between the silent and the talky era. Okay. So, there's some sound in it and a little bit of talking, but yeah, the pen is kind of like Nosferatu. The silent mm. version, depending on how I feel that day, I either am like meh about it or, oh, my gosh, that was fantastic. Or, oh, do I ever want to see this? <laughs> <laughs> so it depends. On, it depends on my mood. But okay. yeah, here, I would say maybe watch it sometime. I don't know. Okay. Uh, when Rob D, would you? That could be a whole YouTuber money maker. I could imagine. We watched this. Wife is now divorcing me. Oh yeah, there are a few movies. I'm like, if if I had a husband and he said, "Oh, we're gonna watch this," I would be like, "Yeah, my divorce attorney's gonna talk to you tomorrow." It would be that bad. So it would have to be so awful. Though. Well, it looks like uh, Rosetta is uh, not feeling too well. So Rosetta, you're gonna, oh. you're gonna you're gonna take your leave. Yeah, I need to get back to sleep for a bit. I'm still pretty sick. All right, you go to sleep. You get better. Mm-hmm. And again, support Rosetta. Uh, follow her over on Twitter at uh, RoseMQueen1. Did I get that right from memory? Yes. <laughs> yes, at RoseMQueen1. Uh, and you can find her Redbubble account, which can help support her work and also support her kitty as well. And uh, th- <laughs> kitty, thank you for, for joining us today. Have a great day, guys. All right, you too, Rosetta. Bye. 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 Okay, well, on my other movies, uh, these that were either favorites of my mom's or ones that we watched together, a couple of them, I just re well, one I had never seen before, one I rewatched. They really weren't big time movies with my mom, but I remember us watching them. But on my three and a half stars, I started out. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go watch the real Cyrano de Bergerac. Mm. So I watched the Academy Award winning uh, performance by Jose Farrar from 1950. Oh, look at that. And it 
was stunning. I loved it so much. And I can see why he won the Oscar. I mean, from the very second, I mean, the first we hear him, he's, he's mocking this actor uh, on the stage. And the only thing you see are his feet. And then he puts his legs down and it's just like you fall in love with him almost immediately. And I guess most of us know the story. He has the huge nose. Mm-hmm. He's in love with Roseanne, uh, Roxanne, who turns out to be his cousin. But I think they kind of grew up together. And she's in love with uh, a young soldier that's in the regiment under him. And he writes this. Yeah, Brian Jose Ferrar. I've never seen the Gerard Depardieu uh, version. I know it exists, though. Um, but he ends up writing these love letters on behalf of this young man. And he's pouring his whole soul into them because, yes, he loves Roxanne. Uh, I just love the movie. It was just, it's so touching and so beautiful. And Jose Ferrar, I can't. He's one of those actors that I don't care how bad the movie was, he always stood out above it. Mm -hmm. And he was making movies for years and years and years. And some of you you may have seen him when he was older. Um, Was it his Mel Farrar, his son by Rosemary Clooney, who would be, uh, what's his name's aunt? (laughs) George Clooney's aunt? George Clooney's aunt is Rosemary Clooney. So the Ferrars are all kind of related by marriage to the Clooney's. Interesting. Uh, Jose Ferrar was in Lynch's Dune. He played the emperor. Mel Ferrar used to show up on the original Twin Peaks. So oh, we still okay. have that kind of have that family connection there. But he was in Lawrence of Arabia as well. He was in Lawrence of Arabia, uh, Midsummer Night's Sex Comedy. That's a Woody Allen movie. He to be played, or not to be. He was in Kane Mutiny. That's now, the original Moulin Rouge. Okay. Uh, where he plays um, the artist, uh, T- Toulouse Lautrec. Mm-hmm. And that was another good performance. He's in uh, that Joan of Arc with Ingrid Bergman is so massacred. I remember him being in it, but I can't remember who he played. Oh, goodness. Let's see. Because the, the movie is a. I think there's pieces of Joan of Arc that are decent. And then I was reading today. I don't know how. Oh, oh, oh. Someone connected with another movie that I saw was a producer on Joan of Arc. Okay. The critics hated it because they said it was too long and ponderous. Mm. And plus that they didn't feel that it captured Joan's spirituality the audiences just thought it was long and pond. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it says hour, hour 45 minutes. And uh, Jose Ferrer set, played the Dauphine, the Charles Dauphine. VII. Okay, okay. And see, I've seen I've seen the movie, but I, I think the version I saw was either the 90-minute or the two-hour version. Okay. And I think the movie ran three to four hours Okay. originally. So it, it, it's one of those movies, you kind of look at it, if you like Ingrid Bergman and you just want to, you know, like, okay, I want to see her in this just to see how she yeah. pulls it off. <sighs> yeah, it's, it, yeah. But anyway, yeah, Jose Ferrar, just an 
excellent actor and I just I loved his Cyrano but I was like you know what yeah I, I'm gonna look at his version I'm not fooling with this new one which did I understand the new one it's a musical it, why why not is the question well, you should that's be asking true. that's true <laughs> oh and if you want to see a really good adaptation of Cyrano watch Roxanne with Steve Martin because mm. that was it's, the only one I knew of. Uh, yes, I, I, I did. I actually did not know that there was a 1950 Oscar Oscar winning one. So yeah, yeah. But it was it was really nice. And if you like those kind of costume dramas, I will say this though, and this is aimed at you, since you do not care for iambic pentameter. <laughs> You might not care for this because it is written in that type of language. <sighs> but the language is so beautiful. Now, is it written in the language of the time or is it written, is it written in iambic pentameter? It is written in iambic pentameter because <sighs> it was... Ah, what did I read? It was translated from a French script. Yeah, it's set script. France 1640, so... Yes, yes. and the But the original play i think was written in the 19th century mm. but the author was trying to capture how they would have spoken at the time okay so but anyway it's free on youtube cult cinema classics which usually has all those really bad movies they posted this and he got a whole lot of really positive feedback people were like we never expected to see a movie of this caliber on your yeah. channel so yeah, it was I, I had a blast watching that. Um okay, the other Roger Corman's The Raven, which is one of those movies where he would take an Edgar Allan Poe short story or poem and would turn it into a movie which really didn't resemble what Edgar Allan Poe wrote. That, but it was that, still good. That, that cast, though. This you, cast is, oh my gosh, if you have never seen this movie before, it's playing for free on Pluto TV right now. Boris Karloff, Vincent Price, Peter Lorre, and a very young Jack Nicholson. I, that's what I was going to say. I, when I saw Jack Nicholson, I'm like, wait, the Jack yeah. Nicholson? Or is this another yeah. actor? And then I pulled it up. It's like, nope, that's, mm -hmm. that's Jack Nicholson. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And he's very, he's very, you can tell it's him, but he's, he's very young. But it's just it's it's such a funny movie. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Vincent Price <clears throat> and Boris Karloff are rival magicians, and <laughs> Vincent Price is still bemoaning his lost wife Lenore, and then this raven shows up <laughs> pecking on his chamber door or whatever <laughs> and the raven is peter laurie who oh. has been turned into a raven by boris karloff because he found out too much information <laughs> and we just kind of we just kind of go from there but it's if you like um roger corman was the king of schlock mm -hmm. and sometimes he would have really terrible stuff and then sometimes he would do some stuff that would hit the mark like the Raven. Um, and I think a lot of his Poe movies were very successful. 
And even though they weren't, yeah, he did uh, Pit in the Pendulum. Oh my gosh, Pit in the Pendulum. If any of you have never seen that before, get it for Halloween. The very, very final shot in the movie. I dare you to not say you didn't go <gasps> when it's over. Oh, dang. I mean, it it was just like, okay, I forgot about that. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> That's another one with uh, Vincent Price. Vincent too. Price. Vincent Price did a bunch of those for him. Yeah, and that, I think that was kind of how he got his King of Horror title because before then, Vincent Price, Vincent Price played Baca in the Ten Commandments. He was uh, Shelby in the film War Lara. So that's mm. those are the kind of movies that he was in. Yeah. And then he started doing these Corman movies and was like, oh, Vincent Price can do horror. (laughs) (laughs) But it was cool seeing Karloff. I guess this is one of his final legitimate roles as in, yeah, I'm not just doing this for a a paycheck sort of thing. Yeah. But it's just a fun movie. There are a couple of times when you can, the effects. uh, It's also three. It came out three years before his death, too. I mean, uh, six years before his death. Oh, okay, Carl. Yeah, 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 yeah. I forgot he was in. He was in the original Scarface. I think I've seen Black Sabbath. Of course, everybody knows uh, Grinch Stole Christmas because mm-hmm. we narrated Frankenstein, it. Frankenstein, Frankenstein, of course, all the. Yeah, of course, Frankenstein. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's just such a fun movie, and uh, Bruce was saying he saw it not long ago. Yeah, it's playing on Pluto TV. And that was where I saw it. Uh, it was like it was coming on. I was like, oh, I'm looking at this. <laughs> also, was it a remake of the 1935 The Raven? No. That version. Because he was in that, too, with Bela uh, Lugosi. He was in that, too, with, with Bela Lugosi. But they're, it's a little more serious. Okay, I think okay. I've seen this. I think I've seen this one time. Because Carlos and Lugosi paired up a few times. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the one? The black, I think it's the black cat has this horrific ending that I don't even know. I, I can't remember if it was pre-code or not, yeah. but I'm still like, how the heck did that even get into a movie in the 1930s? <laughs> but, uh, and they don't show anything. It's just, it's implied. And so uh, your okay. imagination is starting to fill in, but that was the black cat. But, uh, yeah, I, it, I don't care if it's Halloween or not. Watch the Raven. <laughs> <laughs> and film Europa is right. Mask of the Red Death is fantastic. I look at it every Halloween. Uh, and Andrew said it can't be a shock. And it's the end of Hold Henry. True. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Next one I saw. Uh, Caesar and Cleo. I kind of went on the Battle of the Cleopatras. So this is the first one. This is the mm-hmm. 1945 Caesar and Cleopatra. And that's with Claude Rains mm-hmm. and Vivian Lee. And it's based on a play by uh, Bernard Shaw. And it's, I gave it three and a half stars. It's a beautiful movie. Uh, Vivian Lee's Cleopatra is... Thanks, Femi Europa. He said Black Cat was pre-code. Mm. Okay, that's how they got that scene in there. <laughs> um, Vivian Lee's version is more childlike at the beginning. It's like, you know, 
she's kind of devious. Mm-hmm. And of course, she would have to be because she and her brother husband, Tapame, are fighting for the throne. Mm. But she's got this innocence to her. And when she and Caesar first meet, he is he has gone out to pray to the Sphinx. And this girl suddenly appears, and it's Cleopatra. And he's like, well, I was praying to the Sphinx. And she says, oh, well, this isn't the great Sphinx. This is like a kitten of a Sphinx. The great Sphinx is over there, you know. <laughs> and uh, and she's like, uh, when he reveals he's a Roman, but he doesn't say he sees her. And she's like, oh, the Romans, they're, you know, they're coming. They're going to eat all of us. And uh, it's just very, it's very playful between them. And he's more like a father figure to her than he is well, in real life, Julius Caesar uh, had a child by her, a mm-hmm. son. So they're not really lovers. It's more like, I'm going to teach you how to be a proper queen. Mm-hmm. And it, the lines in it are very funny. And I, 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 I love the dialogue in it. And I love the scenes in it. And both of them gave really good performances. And then I found out and I was like, oh, I don't know if I ever see this movie again. Now, every scene Vivian Lee is in, I'm going to wonder. She slipped and fell and had a miscarriage. And Vivian Lee, I knew she had had emotional problems pretty much all her life. Yeah. And they said, yes, she just went into the spiral. So I'm surprised she got the movie finished. But, uh, yeah, I think that was one that I think Olivier was cheating on her anyway, way later. Two of them were like a hot couple at one time. Yeah. And uh, he divorced her and that sent her into a deeper spiral. But she still managed to do Streetcar Named Desire, which earned her a second Oscar. Mm-hmm. But yes, yeah, she's so beautiful in this and they just play off each other so well. And you know, it's not completely historic. It's just uh, it's just a fun movie. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that Hamilton woman, she was in that with Laurence Olivier. There's another one they did, Fire Over England. Mm. I think that was it. Um, I think that was made, well, that was before Gone with the Wind. Yeah. I think that would, uh, I want to say Selznick's brother, Myron, saw her in that and was like, hmm. This could be our Scarlet, <laughs> <laughs> and we kind of went, kind of went from there. But it's got a great cast, and uh, Stuart Granger—he was very young in that—and uh, Flora Robson. Um, she probably—I always, I always like Flora Robson. She used to mm. pop up in a lot of stuff. But anyway, but yeah, that season in Cleopatra, and like I said, it does have a few serious moments to it, but I just like the playfulness between uh, her and Claude Rains. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Lars in the chat. I think you said you finished this, but I looked at Nightmare Alley, which is currently playing on HBO Max. This is the 2021 version by uh, Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. My mother had told me about the 1940s version with Tyrone Power. I haven't seen that yet. It's free on YouTube. And after some time has passed, I'm going to watch it because Nightmare Alley is a hard watch. 
I gave it three and a half stars because it's one of the best looking movies I have seen in a long time. Okay. It's just, it's a gorgeous looking movie. It's the subject matter that's very disturbing. And mm. I lucked out. Well, um, oh shoot. What's his name? David Stratham is in it. And I messaged a friend of mine and I, cause I know she's a fan of his. And I said, Oh, did you know he was in nightmare alley? And she said, Oh, Tina, did I tell you, uh, she and her husband saw this theatrically. They saw the black and white version. Hmm. And I was like, no, you didn't tell me. So I was glad I had heard the kind of, we were messaging each other back and forth. I'm glad I had her to talk to for a couple of hours because there were things about the movie that disturbed me on a certain level. And it's not like body horror or anything like that. It's just that. <sighs> well, I mean, female psychiatrist is, is one of the leads. So, I mean, I yeah, can that imagine Kate, psychological. It's psychologically. Yeah. yeah. Kate Blanchett. She's so good. Mm -hmm. She's just, um, oh my gosh, she's amazing. It's a great she's cast. She's amazing. Um, I mean, you got yeah, Bradley I'm, Cooper, Kate Blanchett, Rooney Mara, Willem Dafoe is in it. Yeah, Tony Willem Collette, Dafoe is in it. Yep. Richard Jenkins. Yeah, when uh, Willem Dafoe, I didn't recognize him at first. And yeah. then he kind of turned his head and I heard his voice and I said, oh my goodness, that's Willem Dafoe. <laughs> Ron Perlman's in it. He's playing the strong man. Yeah. Mary Steenburgen. And, oh, Tim and old Henry's in it. <laughs> yeah, I said Tim Blake Nelson's in it too. Yeah. yeah. And also Mary uh, Steenburgen. Mary Steenburgen. Nice. Um, but just in short, and I, and I did hear this, this version is closer to the novel. Okay. Than the Tyrone Power version. And Rob Diaz, the oldest film I've ever seen. Oh my gosh. Um, it might be the, what is it? The Flight to the Moon. Mm, okay. Uh, 19, yeah. Uh, 19, so you're talking about 1910s or 19 aughts, maybe. Mm -hmm. So that would be the oldest film I've probably seen. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, he saw, I've seen Black Veil, Rob D. Saw it a long time ago. Hmm. But didn't care for it. Hitchcock was still trying to work out being Hitchcock in 1928. <laughs> um, yeah, Laura, I I agree. I didn't think Defoe was in it enough. But since you've seen it, it was like, okay, for what he's doing, we're getting a lot of information and yeah. Easter eggs here. <laughs> <laughs> I like how she says, I guess we shouldn't have expected Bright and Shiny from a movie called Nightmare Alley. <laughs> Nightmare Alley, right. <laughs> well, Bradley Cooper play when, when the movie opens, this house is on fire and Bradley Cooper is walking away from it. And that's after we've seen him dispose of a body. Mm. And you're like, okay, who's the body? Uh, we know he set the house on fire. And we're kind of like, Okay, what's going on here? Well, he ends up at a, a carnival, and this is back in the days when carnivals still had sideshow, what they would call freaks. Yeah. And he's looking for a job. Uh, at first, he's helping them get the tents and everything rolled up. And then Willem Dafoe, who is the carnival owner, starts giving him a little, you know, little bits and pieces of work here and there. But then uh, Bradley Cooper's character, who I think is called Stan, 
starts honing in on David Stratham and who played his wife? Um, Tony Collette. He starts kind of honing in on them. Okay. And they used to have, she still does this mind reading act where, you know, the whole, depending on what word you give and everything, she can figure yeah. out, oh, you're holding this. Oh, you have this in your pockets, you know. Um, but David Stratham, he's an alcoholic. And uh, they kept like a manual of how they would do these tricks. Mm-hmm. And Stan starts looking through it. Okay. And the one thing they do warn him against is never get into spook shows. Now, spook shows are where you're telling people someone from beyond the grave. Oh, uh, okay. Is telling me this. Okay. And they tell him, don't go there because that's going to screw with your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, he, uh, Bradley Cooper and this young woman end up getting married, have an act together. But because of Kate Blanchett, he does start getting into the spook stuff. Mm. And it just leads to very tragic results. Mm. So it's one of those movies that I, I think everyone could possibly watch once, if only to look at Del Toro shoots beautiful movies. He yeah. just even if you don't like the movie, it's oh, just yeah. like even though I hated uh The Shape of Water, it's I, I mean, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Like visually, it was it was definitely still. I mean, he is a talented filmmaker. Uh, it's just that sometimes his stories aren't always. <laughs> yeah, I was there, yeah. but yeah, it sounds like well, this one. Yeah, I mean, even with it just being a three and a half, I think this this sounds like a good one. It's a good it's a good one, and I mean, there was some shots in there that I was just like, oh my gosh! But yeah, it my stylist when I was there Thursday. She asked me, had I seen it? And I said, yeah, I did. And I was telling her about me and my friend talking about it. And she said, we don't know whether to finish it. She and her husband. And so she said, tell me what happened. It won't matter. And so I told told her all the way up to the end. And she was like, I don't think we're going to watch it. She said, it is a beautiful movie, but it was rough. And I said, yeah, (laughs) it's not like you you know pop the yeah. popcorn and you're like oh this is gonna be a wild <laughs> this is gonna be crazy so but yeah i i would highly recommend it and i do at some point like i said my mom saw the tyrone power version mm-hmm. so i kind of knew what was going to happen in this okay but i i need to see what are the differences in these two movies and remember one was made in 1940s hollywood yeah very different I time need- yeah, very different time. Oh, bit of trivia. Tyrone Power's daughter is in this movie. Oh, wow. Okay. She just has a, I wouldn't have recognized her, but, yeah. uh, and the one photo I found of her, she looked very young. Okay. So, but it was his daughter by his wife, Linda Christian. Okay. But um, they said that Del Toro just was like, here, this is, you know, because I loved your dad so much. I want you to be in it. And she just has a bit part. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I, I recommend it. It's on HBO max. And uh, I was really surprised when it popped up and I was like, yeah, I'm going to look at this. <laughs> nice. uh, well, yeah, okay. just because you, you mentioned the visuals. So uh, yeah. it looks like, it looks like it's someone who's worked with Del Toro on a lot of other things, but he did the shape of waters. He did, he's did John wick two and three. 
Uh, he oh, also did Crimson Peak. That's when I've heard some stuff That's about. A beautiful. It's a beautiful movie, but the ending, I'm sorry, the ending had yeah. me laughing, and then I found out somebody else laughed, too. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, I think I had, I had that one, because that one got a, I think the rights got picked up by Arrow Video, and so they did a special release of that, so I'm pretty sure I actually have Crimson Peak, but knowing the the ending is could could get a could get a laugh that, that kind of makes me want to watch. Well, it was like I don't know if I laughed because I was uncomfortable because the CGI kind of went wonky or mm. in it, but Tom Hiddleston was quite good. Okay, it has an interesting story. Yeah, um, and like a lot of Del Toro movies, it's disturbing. Yeah. On you know on some level so um, yeah anyway uh, yeah uh, Nightmare Alley <laughs> <laughs> hopefully by next uh, next time I'll be able to review the Tyrant Power version yeah the original the original and uh, so yeah I recommend that and let's see okay my four star four four and a half. Cat on the Hot Tin Roof with Elizabeth Taylor and Paul Newman. And Elizabeth Taylor, I think I gave that, oh, four and a half stars. Because I love that movie. It is so good. I've actually never seen it. Oh, well, it's Tennessee Williams, so it's very Mm. Southern. Yeah. And it's about uh, husband and wife. And yes, Liz Taylor, she's gorgeous in it. Mm -hmm. And... um. The husband is one of these high school footballs or track or whatever stars that uh, he, he never really hit the big time, you know. And he hurts himself because he got drunk and was trying to jump the high hurdles. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and he was out by himself. But, of course, this has gone all over town. And his... His brother is married to this fish wife who has these horrible children that just made me want to lock her, the the sister-in-law, and those kids up in a cellar and say, bolt the doors and just leave them there. They're monsters. Uh, Burl Ives plays the patriarch of the family, and Dame Judith Anderson plays his wife. Mm. And we get... Judith Anderson's character is called Big Mama. Yeah, and I that's a, if that was the one you were talking about. Yeah, yeah, that's a term of endearment. Burl Ives is Big Daddy. And Liz Taylor's character, Maggie, who they call the cat, uh, she's just trying to hold on to Paul Newman's rights as a family member because he's so stinking drunk, it doesn't seem to matter to him whether he's mm-hmm. going to lose his birthright or not. Yeah. And you just have this family. It's supposed to be big daddy's birthday. Hmm. He's been to get cancer treatment and it comes out fairly early on in the movie. The cancer treatment did not help and he is dying. So he does not want to face it. He wants to reconcile with uh brick Paul Newman's character. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I just think it's a fantastic movie just listening to these people and their the, the, the dichotomy and how they're going off at each other. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of screaming and shouting and everything. And when the sister-in-law, when she says, our bedroom is right next door, I don't hear anything. 
from you too. You just want to punch her. It's like, it's none of your business anyway, what they're doing in their bedroom. And then it has this fantastic ending and that used to just crack my mother up. And when I saw it, I was like, yeah, I, yeah, it made me smile and laugh too. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's based on Tennessee Williams play and uh, yeah, it's, it's good. It's good. And uh, let's see. Oh, Rob D asked me, is there any time period of film prior to 2000? You just don't care for, don't know a lot about I, Rob, I pretty much like all of them, but it's not like one period where I just gravitate to it and go, oh, I love every movie from this decade. Because like the the 40s for every Laura or Ghost of Mrs. Muir, uh, there's probably something that I can't stand. And it's the same with the 30s. You know, I've seen movies from the 30s from every Gone with the Wind and Stagecoach. You get some rickety looking movie that you're wondering, how did this ever get made? Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah. Uh, let's see, the calendar, Mildred Pierce. Mildred Pierce. Joan Crawford won her Oscar for that. And go down a little bit, bring the cursor a little bit down a little bit more. Uh, it's under oh, it's under the innocence and above uh, cat on the hot tube. So there you're, we go. You're, you're watching the the stream, so I've, I've already got it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, Joan Crawford is fantastic. I don't mean she's one of Stephanie's favorite actresses. We were talking the other night, and we were like, we don't know how much of Mommy Dearest happened because Joan Crawford was dead. So she can't speak for herself. Yeah. So we had the daughter's book. <laughs> Andrew City of Tomorrow Wars yeah, and my yeah. <laughs> But she is so good in this. But I have this I have oh my gosh. Her daughter. It's like she did so much for her and her daughter was this horrible. And it's like Joan Crawford's breaking her back in this movie to bring you along and you don't care and you're taking everything and you're lying and you're conniving and you marry somebody and pretend you're pregnant so you can get a check out of him. Mm. It's just, oh my gosh. And, but yeah, Mildred is very, Mildred's very long suffering. And uh, when the movie starts, we see Mildred's husband. He gets shot, and the, his on his dying breath, his last word is Mildred. Mm-hmm. And then we see Mildred driving away from the house. So we're like, oh my gosh, Mildred killed him, you know. <laughs> and so it kind of goes from there. They bring in some of her, her, her ex-husband, uh, which was her first husband, uh, Mr. Pierce. They bring him in uh, for interrogation. They bring in one of her good friends, played by Eve Arden. They bring in her former business partner. And they're like, yeah, we think we've got the right person. And Mildred, the story is pretty much told in flashback, where she's telling the story to the um, homicide investigator. And... She's just, I mean, she's been hardworking her whole life. When her husband loses his job during the Depression, uh, she loves to bake. And so she bakes 
stuff for the neighbors and sells it. So this is kind of this, um, um, that's how she kind of gets on a roll to start her own business mm-hmm. is from baking in her kitchen. And Laura asked me, didn't Joan Crawford's mom pimp her out when she was there? I have heard that. And I don't know if it's true, but I know Joan Crawford had a rough life. Mm-hmm. And if mommy dearest is kind of true, possibly true, whatever. I think a lot of that had to do with how she turned out as an adult, her wanting everything to be perfect. Wow. Um, and I still laugh about the whole wire, no wire coat hangers because yeah, for a while my mom, she didn't have wire coat hangers because it was like, yeah, they kind of rust and they get all over your clothes and everything. So I was like, okay, that's where that came. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but as far as her performance, like I said, she won the Oscar for this. I don't remember who she was up against, but she's really good in this. And yeah, I, I, I see why they gave it to her, you know, and she had been around in Hollywood for a while and she was one of the many women that was up for Scarlett O'Hara, you know, and uh, I've seen Joan in, she was in a movie called The Unknown, which was a silent movie. She played opposite Lon Chaney Sr. And uh, it was directed by someone from my hometown, Todd Browning. Oh, nice. And also and, to answer the question, uh, she was up against Jean Tierney in Leave Her to Heaven, <gasps> Greer, Greer Garson for The Valley of Decision, Ingrid Bergman for The Bells of St. Mary's, and Jennifer Jones for Love Letters. I haven't, let's see, I've seen uh, Leave It to Heaven. Oh my gosh, Jean Tierney was so good in that. She's a psychopath. <laughs> yeah. And it says, uh, yeah, Joan, Joan Crawford was not present at the awards ceremony and feigned no. ill that night. Meanwhile, yes. she listened to the show on the radio. Yes. When she won, she ushered the press into her bedroom where yes. she finally accepted her Oscar. <laughs> yes, I'm like, that's oh how my you goodness. Ex- that's how you had accepted an Oscar. Not all that. <laughs> I want to thank they know you all come over here and grovel to me. <laughs> that woman's a legend. <laughs> and even when she was old her christina appeared on oh shoot i think it was as the world turns it was one of the soaps and got sick and joan crawford played her character (laughs) on the soap and it's like okay i know this is joan crawford but how did that character go from being in her 20s to like in her 60s Because it's Joan Crawford. It was Joan Crawford. You don't ask questions. <laughs> exactly. And my mother and my grandmother used to say, I remember when Joan Crawford was <laughs> Oh my goodness. Oh, whatever soap that was. I <laughs> it's either World Turns or it might have been Search for Tomorrow. I don't know. It was one of the old ones. Yeah. But anyway. But yeah, this is a good movie. It's very soap operish, directed by Michael Curtis. Uh I just looked at a Short documentary on him, but Michael Curtis was known for Casablanca, The Adventures of Robin Hood, The mm-hmm. Seahawk, Elizabeth in Essex, uh, yeah, Grand Hotel, whatever. Ha- yeah, well, that's Joan Crawford, but um, he had a long, long career going all the way back to the silent era. And uh, yeah, his Noah's Ark, I don't even think that much exists of it anymore. His Noah's Ark got people killed. Mm. 
And that was before, you know, it was like, uh, we, yeah, we need to take care of the extras <laughs> on, on the set. He's kind of like, hey, they signed up for it. Oh, and all these thousands of gallons of water rushed oh. in on all the extras and the stunt people. And people broke limbs and people died. And oh. I don't even think there's that much of the movie left yeah. now. Um I saw a little bit of it. I think it was on, they had a few snippets on YouTube and I was like, I would love to see the rest of this movie <laughs> <laughs> for all the hell they went through. Okay. So that's Mildred Pierce and my other Florida star movie and, and my battle of the Cleopatra's was Cecil B. DeMille's Cleopatra. Um, and that was with Claudette Colbert. It was the biggest hit of 1934. It might have been the most profitable Cleopatra, <laughs> considering, <laughs> you know. Um, and Claudette Colbert, I, I, I liked her Cleopatra. Uh, she doesn't have, she has that bit of playfulness, but not like, oh, God, that, that gown. These costumes in this are beautiful. Um, She's got the playfulness of Vivian Lee, but you can tell she's she's a little more experienced. And when she and Caesar meet, it's more like we're going to have this business proposition <laughs> more so than father daughter. Yeah. Um, and it's typical Demille. It's a huge extravaganza, but the movie made back all its money, so that's what matters. Well, also this is it's only it was only a hundred minutes. Yes, it's yeah. So it's short. It's short. Um, and it's got these beautiful set pieces. Uh, when Antony comes to supposedly arrest her and she seduces him and you have just a whole, it's a whole bunch of stuff going on. And this is after the code was put in. But in the scene where, you know, the seduction is getting ready to kick in, she kind of gives a little nod of her head or a blink of her eye, and they these drapes come down and then go up. A guard steps in front of the platform. You see these other like handmaidens, and they're on their knees and with their they've got their lamps, and you have a dancer, and then the next thing when the roars start rowing, they're rowing to the rhythm of this drum, and just like we all know what's going on behind the curtain, but <laughs> it's so beautifully done. It's like, it yeah. just leaves it to our imagination. But that, that was typical DeMille, you know, yeah. and Claudette Colbert, very beautiful. I think a lot of people know her from it happened one night with Clark Gable. And, but yeah, this was one of, this is one of my favorite Cleopatra's and I know it was my mom's favorite. And I think my mom said a couple of her costumes inspired what Elizabeth Taylor wore in her version, which is one of the most infamous of all time. <laughs> so before I get to that version, I'm going to knock out my two five-star movies. Uh, one is Black Narcissus from 1947. I didn't, re I was thinking it was 1950s. Um, mm. Oh shoot. I forgot to put the innocence on here. And Brian Bar, let me cover the let me do the innocence real quick because I I forgot to write it down. Mm -hmm. uh, the innocence was made in the early '60s. It's based on Henry James' novel *Turn of the Screw*. 
Um, it's about a governess who goes to uh, an estate to take care of a young brother and sister. The sister seems very sweet. And then the brother comes home and is found that he was expelled from school that the headmaster said he was influencing the boys in certain ways, but they don't go into detail. Mm. Now, what we find out is that the previous governess died under mysterious circumstances and the uncle to the little boy and girl had a man named Peter Quint. I think that was his name. And Quint and the governess were around okay the governess is suspected to be around the children but quint was around them a little bit more and they all were hanging out together and the housekeeper says she kind of had some concerns but kind of just you know it's my imagination Mm -hmm. well deborah carr's governess starts seeing the original governess and this quint the children start acting in ways that no child should behave. Mm. Now, the Henry James novella has been discussed since it first came out, and it has been disputed among Deborah Carr was beautiful. Mm. Uh, it has been disputed among Henry James experts, psychologists, journalists, just everybody. Is she imagining these figures, or are they really there? Yeah. And if these people, we know they existed, what were they doing with the children? Mm. So we're getting into some, it's a dark movie. And I don't just mean because it's in black and white. It's a dark movie. And I think I was like 12 or 13 when I first saw it. And me and my mother, yeah, we sat around and talked about it. And we were debating things like this. The movie itself, the director and the screenwriters were debating that issue. And Deborah Carr was pretty much like, okay, how should I play this role? And because she's like, I'm getting mixed opinions from all of you. How should I play it? And they're like, uh, just kind of play it straight or play it like you're crazy. (laughs) (laughs) So her performance is quite good. The children are very good. Uh, But I, I, there is a, prequel i can't recommend Mm. me and a friend of mine watched it in a movie party because i said this was one of my mom's guilty pleasure movies it's not good she knew it wasn't good there is a prequel with marlon brando doing one of the most horrific irish accents i've ever heard and this was before he did godfather don't look at the prequel (laughs) (laughs) The prequels just it's just terrible. But, <laughs> just don't even but, bother with it. <laughs> don't even bother with it. But the innocence, yes, definitely, because on many levels, it's it's a horror movie. Mm. And I, you know, if if you like those kind of movies, yeah, I, I would highly recommend that. Mm. So, and I forgot, I haven't gotten to put it on my list. My other Deborah Carr movie I gave five stars to was Black Narcissus, which mm. I hadn't seen in forever, and. Uh, once you see it and you see the cinematography and the the set design and everything, you can see why it won the Oscar for Best Picture. Because you actually think you're in the Himalayas, but actually uh, you're on a studio set in England. Hmm. 
but it was so realistic. But um, this sisterhood wants to set up a new priory in this village uh, in India. And the, the location used to be where this, I think it was a Maharaja used to keep all his concubines and his wives and everything. Mm-hmm. And it's empty, except that a short time before, some monks tried to establish a brotherhood there and gave up like after less than a year. Mm-hmm. Nobody really knows why. And so the mother superior is like, well, we're going to do better than them. You know? So Deborah Carr plays this. Uh, she's a young nun, but she's very ambitious. So they're going to make her the head of this small group. There's only going to be like five other nuns with her. And this man that you see in the picture, he's kind of one of those Englishmen that's gone native. But the thing is, he does know how their society works. So there's things he's telling them like, don't do this, don't do that. If you do that, you'll be sorry. So he's offering them warnings and advice that they're really not listening to until it's too late. Mm-hmm. Um, but once they go up in and they get everything, you know, set up and everything, and they're kind of hiding all these images on the walls, but and they're going to teach the women in the community and the children. I think it's something in the air because the air is so thin mm. at that altitude that some of them are starting to have memories they haven't had in years. Oh, wow. And Floor Robson is also in this. I mentioned her earlier. Uh, she's playing an older nun. And it's like she's supposed to be planting like potatoes and, 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 and other root vegetables and she's planting flowers. And I don't even know if she realized that she was planting them, except, oh, the flowers would be prettier than potatoes, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, she's always a solid actress. But um, this is basically that. Yes, yeah, Sabu is mm-hmm. in it. Um, he was in the, I think that's the original Jungle Book. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, yeah, it's just an interesting story because one of the nuns who I, I think she probably went into the convent to kind of hide from some things. And the longer she's there, the crazier she gets. Mm. So it's just an interesting psychological story. And Pressburger and Powell did all these beautiful movies back in the 40s and 50s. One of their best known would be the red shoes Mm. so highly recommend black narcissus my other five-star movie was uh 1948 hamlet and see i think i had told you all my mother brought us up on shakespeare i she had a hardback copy of the complete works of shakespeare including his sonnets oh wow so it was like we would sit and read this at night before we went to bed. Mm-hmm. So this is Lawrence Olivier's production. That's Gene Simmons in the picture. Um, I think I saw this movie like my pivotal year when I was 12. And mm-hmm. I just fell in love with it. The language just flowed off me. I, I just understood everything they were saying. I understand it more now since I'm an adult. But yeah, he won Best Actor. The movie won Best Picture deservedly so 
the black and white photography is gorgeous. And I, I, yeah, I just had a fun, fun time. Well, as fun as you can have with a, a Shakespearean tragedy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, it, it was it was very good. I had, nice. I had, a, had a blast rewatching it. So um, my last movie, it was one of my favorites. It was one of my mom's favorites. It took me two nights to finish, but that was the 1963 Cleopatra. Again with Elizabeth Taylor, and of course opposite Richard Burton and Rex Harrison, and a cast of thousands. And we all know the story of Cleopatra, so I'm just going to kind of jump on the baking of this movie. Because, yes, at one time, this was the mo- one of the most expensive movie ever made. And I think in my, oh, I had the numbers written down. The movie in today's terms would have cost, I think, $283 million. Oh, my goodness. That's that's with inflation. Well, it's a, it's two hundred forty eight minute movie, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the version that I'm looking at is the fiftieth anniversary where they restored it. Okay. Because you had the roadshow version, which was like, yeah, the two hundred fifty one minute, and then they kind of cut it down. Which once they cut it down, that destroyed a lot of the, the plots and the subplots. Mm-hmm. Um, it pretty it almost bankrupted twentieth uh, century Fox. And Fox has had a lot of... That's the reason why Disney owns them now. Fox has always had financial issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they had come off three disaster, very expensive disasters. Nowhere mm-hmm. near the cost of Cleopatra, but it was like, we can't live on having three expensive disasters in a row. This project had been shopped around for years by a producer. He had been around since the silent era. Walter, I want to say Wanker. And I probably said that Sorry, wrong. Sorry, I have to laugh. I just, oh, I know, I, I know. expecting that name. But I was I was pulling up because uh, I was looking at the Cleopatra just for inflation. This, yeah. according to the numbers, it says $452 million production budget. That And see, what was also happening... Okay. And it made seven sixty five. Yes. <laughs> yes. For Lord. <laughs> this is just the behind the scenes is crazy. People were popping pills and it had two starts. Originally it was gonna be filmed in at I think Pinewood Studios, but it was gonna be filmed in England. Yeah. Liz Taylor at the time, I believe, became the highest paid actress in movie history at that time. Yeah. There were other actors were assigned to the part. Well, then the weather got bad. They had built sets. The weather got bad. Liz Taylor, I believe, came down with meningitis, but she almost died. Mm -hmm. So the movie is now delayed. Ruben Mamillion started out as the original director, and when he was done, they had 10 minutes of usable footage. 10 minutes and i i can't remember how much they had already spent up to that point because they've built sets they have costumes and everything okay so liz taylor almost dies uh she gets better 
So now they're going to start refilming. And now they've brought in, they got rid of Mamoulian and brought in Joseph Mankiewicz, the brother of the Mankiewicz who wrote Citizen Kane. Ah, okay. Joe Mankiewicz, very well-known director, had a strong background behind him, had worked with Liz Taylor. I just realized this. Uh, He worked with her on a great Tennessee Williams movie suddenly last summer, which could never be made today. Hmm. Okay, so Mankiewicz is brought in. And now they decide, well, we'll move the movie to Rome or to Italy because the weather will be better. So now we've got Rex Harrison playing Caesar, and then they bring in uh, Richard Burton, which mm-hmm. they said the first time he and Liz Taylor saw each other, they hated each other. <laughs> and then I think he came in, he had been on a bender. And so when he came on the set, he was kind of passed out and she started kind of, you know, hey, everything's going to be okay. And then that started the one of the greatest romances in Hollywood history. And they were trying to keep the scandal hidden because both of them were married to other people. Mm -hmm. Liz Taylor at that time was married to Carrie Fisher's father, Eddie, Mm -hmm. the crooner. So anyway. Ah, and Liz Taylor, I read that she wanted her own hairdresser. The British hairdressers were going to go on strike <laughs> because of her private hairdresser. This movie was just a mess. And they said at one point, Fox executives would like say, I'm going to take my girlfriend to Mexico. Hide the expenses in the Cleopatra budget. (laughs) So that's probably why Uh, the budget. That would explain. Yeah. (laughs) And they said, I think Hugh Cronin, he said when he saw the uh, like really, really cut edition, he said, I'm barely in the movie anymore. Where (laughs) where did all my scenes go? But he said at one point, he would just run a car and just drive around Italy. Because they were like, oh, we don't know when we're going to get to your scene. There were, oh my goodness, there were extras just sitting around thinking, okay, our scene's coming up today. And then they say, oh no, that's going to be in a day or two. Joe Mankiewicz was allegedly popping pills for energy and to sleep. He was barely sleeping because the script that Wanger had had was based on, I think, the old silent version that Theta Barra did back, like, in the 19, 1910s, 1920s. That movie, I think, is lost. Mm. And he had been shopping it around for years and trying to come up with, you know, he's like, oh, it'll just need a tweak or two. Well, Manko was just sitting up at night knocking out 10 pages of screen of the screenplay to hand to the actors the next day. And then, like, this poster that you're looking at, there were even arguments over that. Okay, well, yeah, Liz Taylor's the star, but Rex Harrison is a star, and Richard Burton's kind of a star. (laughs) So we'll just kind of put them on even level, so they're all stars together. Oh, my goodness. This was just, it's all, and then, to top it off, because now, well, the movie's totally out of control at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Former head of Fox, Daryl F. Zanuck, who was a dictator. He's working on his World War II D-Day movie, The Longest Day. He he needs a little more money because he's shooting this big D-Day. 
And they're like, oh, there's no more money in the budget. What do you mean there's no more money in the budget? Well, Cleopatra's cat. Now he's involved in it. Oh, my gosh. So you've got all of these heads that are budding and everything. But I, I think I think this movie killed Mankiewicz, literally. I don't think he lived much longer. And I can see why. Wanger, it destroyed his reputation, what reputation he had left. So it's like every, pretty much every time there's a Cleopatra movie, there's some disaster around it. But I think this might be the biggest boondoggle until Michael Cimino destroyed United Artists with his Heaven's Gate. Mm -hmm. Because everybody used to talk about Cleopatra, Cleopatra, and then Heaven's Gate happened, and it's like, well, Fox barely survive you destroyed united artists yeah so the movie itself i'm not ha- i didn't have a problem with it I, I, most of the scenes that i've seen so far they work for the movie I don't know how much of mamoulian i know they said 10 minutes i don't know where his 10 minutes are but <laughs> <laughs> but I like the way Rex Harrison played Caesar because when the movie starts, he's had his battle with, uh, uh, oh, shoot, Pompey, Pompey the Great, Hmm. because both of them were supposed to be co-counsels. And then they ended up in a civil war, which the Republic had had a bunch of civil wars. We always think, oh, Roman Republic, you know, and it's like, no, they had several civil wars. And Caesar is feeling awful because he's saying, well, on the funeral pyre, they're burning fellow Romans. We are, we are killing our own people. Well, they find out that Pompey has taken off of Egypt. So Caesar, you know, goes in pursuit of him. That's when he meets uh, Ptolemy, uh, the pharaoh, mm-hmm. and uh, eventually meets Cleopatra. And, of course, Liz Taylor has this famous entrance where Cleopatra was allegedly rolled up in a carpet and then they roll the carpet out for Caesar and she comes out of it. And nobody knows that that story happened for real, but it's in all the Cleopatra movies. <laughs> and uh, the way Taylor plays her Cleopatra, it's not that childlike of Vivian Lee. It's more like the Claudette Colbert where she's very experienced. She knows politics. Uh, Martin Landau is, is in the movie. He plays one of Caesar's uh, assistants mm-hmm. and he's reading off, you know, he's saying she speaks seven languages. She's very intelligent. Her sexual prowess is equal to men. Uh, in fact, if she was a man, she'd be wonderful. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yes, yeah, she's equal to all of you. She's brilliant. And Caesar, of course, is bemoaning the fact that he does not have a son. He's 52. And when she takes him to the tomb of Alexander the Great, he says Alexander had conquered the world or most of the world at 32. I can't accomplish that. I'm 52. And Cleopatra is telling him, yes, you can do it. And I'm going to be there at your side. And we're going to conquer more than Alexander ever did. And, of course, he had a son by her big iconic scene when he brings her to Rome and she's riding atop that huge Sphinx and you've got all these slaves are pulling the Sphinx and it's like I see where the money went 
<laughs> uh, she, I did mention in my review how many costume changes she had. I think she had 62. Oh, my goodness. And that got beaten by Julie Andrews in the movie Star. Julie Andrews, I think, had 215 wow. in costume changes. And I'm like, okay, now I got to see that movie just to see all these costume changes. Yeah, in your review, it says Elizabeth at one point had the Guinness Book World Record of those yes. costume changes in one movie 65 until Julie Andrews beat that with 125 in her movie yes. Star. Yes. Wow. And, um, the movie Star is about Gertrude Lawrence, the Broadway actress. So, uh but yeah, souls said pills, benders, bad weather, cheating spouses, while the backstory. <laughs> I don't know why they haven't made a backstory about this movie. Yeah. And film me Robert said Theta's movie, film is lost. I thought it was. I, yeah. I, I I had heard that. Uh but you can see why she and R- Richard Burton mm-hmm. clicked. I mean, and they had uh, they were married twice. <laughs> had a turbulent relationship i my mother always said it i did too although he was married to someone else i think he went to his grave still loving liz but who Mm. couldn't uh roddy mcdowell got screwed out of an oscar because of a clerical error wow he plays octavian who became caesar augustus yeah and i love the way he plays Octavian because he has this poker face and you never know what's going on in his mind. You know he's very devious, but you don't know how deep. Yeah. And uh, uh, Carol O'Connor pops up for a couple of scenes. (laughs) (laughs) He plays one of the senators. And I mean, it's a big, glorious Hollywood spectacle that you just don't see anymore unless it's in some superhero movie. And I, I'm just tired of superhero movies. I, mm-hmm. I would almost rather see another big, bloated historical drama <laughs> at this point, you know. And uh, I saw somebody mention Gal Gadot, Gal Gadot. I'm sure it's going to be extremely bloated. They'll probably bankrupt whatever studio is making it. And the behind the scenes will be more interesting than what we see on the screen when it's finally Mm -hmm. released. I mean, they've already, her director's already done, dropped out or whatever. What's her name? Patty Jenkins. Mm -hmm. That was the original director. And then all of a sudden, oh, she's going to do the Star Wars movie. And then all of a sudden, oh, she's not going to do that Star Wars movie. So I was like, so the, it continues. The Cleopatra curse continues. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll just say in closing, um, my mom's dream, she had wanted to be an archaeologist. Hmm. And of course, this was years before Indiana Jones and all that kind of thing. But she was always interested in archaeology and anthropology. And she said, yeah, if she had been an archaeologist, she wanted to find Cleopatra's tomb. And I was like, that would have been so spectacular. You know, so, yeah, she found this movie and I became a fan of it. And Elizabeth Taylor, rest her soul, we both share the same birthday, February 27th. Not the same year, but <laughs> we share that same date. So she's now one of my favorite actresses. That's awesome. From the goat. From the goat. I didn't realize that she had the same birthday. Had the same birthday. Yeah, like I said, different year, but <laughs> but anyway. So that's the movies I saw, and 
I, I'm going to continue this in, in memory of my mom. I'm going to continue trying to watch some of the movies that we watched together or I know that she liked and because March 14th would have been her birthday. And uh, I'll see what I come up with for next time. Nice. Very good. Thank you for, for sharing. Uh, again, movie history, uh, movie knowledge of all these things. And uh, that's awesome what you're doing as well because it's a way of, you know, having be able to keep that that the connection the memory everything um with your mom and so that's awesome and and again a happy uh, early birthday to you thank you yes, <laughs> of course uh and uh i think we are we're, we're just about at at the end i was going to try and wrap things up around 3 and we and we, we hit just, it yeah we just got it right right about there so uh thank you to peter derosa though who did just drop a $10 chat who says from one catholic to another i appreciate you and all that you do continue to pray for the boys on fnt we love them all hail to the all father well thank you very much peter Drosa. i really do appreciate appreciate the super chat man and uh absolutely i will always always pray for them pray for everyone in the asgardian community as well and uh yeah it's uh it's kind of crazy to think because tomorrow is in the traditional uh calendar in the, in the church it's it's quinquagesima sunday tomorrow it's the 50 days prior to easter and uh ash wednesday is this this wednesday so it's it's kind of crazy that lent is is almost upon us and i i need to finalize some uh some some decisions as far as uh like what kind of fasting and abstaining from meat type of thing i'll, I'll be doing cuz i'm going to try and do a little bit more than the than the usual uh for this one which will impact meals and so i have to figure it out soon cuz i need to head to the grocery this <laughs> this weekend and obviously once wednesday hits the the the, the meals will change just a, a little bit. And uh, uh, I did want to shout out also to uh, Philly the Hobbit Allen, who sent an ice cream donation over on D live a while back. So thank you very much for that. I really do appreciate it. And to everyone who joined today as well. Uh, it was great having everyone in the chat and thank you to, uh, to Laura uh, for, for being modding in the chat. And uh, I don't know if Laura had uh, any desire to, to jump on for a second or not, but uh, Fasting and Furious Odin, she says, yes, exactly. It's going to be a Fasting and Furious uh, 40 days. Um, but I know that she was dealing with some with, uh, some home stuff, so I figured that that was probably what was going on. Uh, but Laura, thank you for, for modding. And of course, Tina, thank you for being not mm-hmm. just in the chat modding, but of course also for, for being a Chosen of Valhalla member <laughs> and uh, thank you also, of course, to Rosetta Allen, who had to leave a little bit earlier. And shout out to Mr. Roy. I don't know if Mr. Roy is still able, was still able to listen or not, but I know he was in the chat. Shout out to Zikayman as well, who I know wanted to be here. Shout out to Matt. I know that Matt was, was planning on being here, but something must have came up. So shout out to him and to all the Chosen, because there's other Chosen members as well um, who uh, don't. Wi- oh, oh I, have, I have a visitor. Oh. Oh, he's walking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <gasps> oh my gosh. Oh yeah, he's huge. He's huge <laughs> now. Yeah, it's baby Thor. Hey, how's it going, bud? <laughs> he's like, what are you? What are you doing? He's like, what are you doing? Yeah, I look at the corner of my eye, and I'm like, there's a small person behind me. Oh, <laughs> it's baby Thor. Hey, bud. Yeah, he just woke up from his nap from a little, a little while ago. So. Hey, bud. Yeah. You see all the lights? <laughs> oh, is that mama? 
Okay. There you go. <gasps> bye bye. I'll see, you, I'll see you in a few minutes. Mwah. <laughs> He's like, no, no, I want to keep on. I want to keep on playing with all the stuff. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's been a, it's been a while since since baby Thor has been featured. So yeah, he's walking, he's running, he's oh uh, yeah, he's he's great. Uh, but he's also he's at that toddler age too. He's at that Uh-oh. year and a half, almost getting yeah. Oh, it's just, and it's been like the last like month. He's been kind of getting to more uh, toddler activity, so more tantrums and everything. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, <laughs> exactly. exactly. Oh, but he's awesome. I love him. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go have to. T- yeah, uh, Andrew Hoyle says, "Papa, what is this weird pink room? It's purple, Andrew." <laughs> Okay, it's purple. I know that from the color and the internet, it might look less purple. It's purple, Andrew. Darn it. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> thank you to everyone uh, for joining me today. This has been a lot of fun. And again, thank you to everyone uh, in the chat as Tina is uh, throwing me under the bus saying magenta. <laughs> Compromise. Uh but anyway, that is going to be uh, it for. I uh, see. She, Laura says he's going to have weird memories of this multicolored basement room thing. <laughs> yeah, seriously, yeah. Because one of the things that uh, Frey and I have been talking about, it's like one of these dreams that we have, like when when everything goes according to plan, is to try and actually. In our, we have a backyard, and so I was like, It'd "Be a crazy idea to have like maybe like some outside offices." And so we were like, well, we have, we technically would have the room for it, just mostly would be budgeting for it. But basically, like, the dream is to have, like, three tiny houses where oh it's like God. one would be an office for me, one would be an office for Freya, and then <laughs> for the one for baby Thor, we were like, <laughs> let's just make it a giant ball pit room. Like, just like, <laughs> there you go. We saw this one, uh, this one family that does YouTube, and they've been do- doing YouTube for a long time, and they did so successful that they were able to, uh, afford like just a lot of these different things and one of the things that they did was they actually built like a huge like this ball pit room it was it was crazy <laughs> um so andrew hoyle says it's fierce thank you fierce. but it is purple thank you luca said purple yeah thank you Luca, <laughs> for confirming that uh and yes Steve, thank you for reminding everyone so yeah the, because of our stream today there will be no show tonight so i did put that on all the social medias when i was sharing the link also i put it at the very beginning no show tonight uh so if anyone is asking at any point on social media or anything like that just let them know hey odin let let you know um because there's been some times where people said i didn't know we were gonna I can only do so much. I can only do so much. Uh, anyway, uh, thank you all for being here. Please make sure you all smash that like button, laugh that fire button on Odyssey. Uh, Lucky Tub Publishing was the only person who left a comment. He just said hello over on Odyssey. Uh, so so Odyssey fam is definitely a, a night-dwelling uh, fam. Um, Brian Barth trolling now saying, oh, it looks like green. Um <laughs> Anyway, so uh, thank you, everybody, again, for, for your love and for your support. And uh, we'll go ahead and play our our out, um, our Febu- uh, February Patreon shout-out video. It is crazy. It's almost the end of February. and uh, But what we, what we will say is even though there is no show tonight, uh, Lucky Tub Publishing says, I'm still listening. Oh, well, thank you for that, Lucky oh. Tub. I appreciate that. Uh, before we do go, of course, we do also want to, once again, have a huge shout-out to Tina whose birthday is tomorrow. So make sure y'all leave shout outs and hearts and cakes and candles to the birthday girl and her birthday weekend. And uh, Tina, of course, have a wonderful birthday tomorrow. Thank you. 
Of course. Uh, anyway, that's going to be it for us. So y'all have a wonderful rest of y'all's day and weekend. And Tina, of course, have a wonderful birthday. And as always, God bless. And now for a huge shout out to all of my Patreon subscribe star and locals members, starting off with Patreon animation commentator, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. Brian P. Christopher Bowman. Father Christopher Miller, hail to you, Father. Father Damian Cook, Fuzz Aldrin, Garrett Searles, Hannibal Grimm, Harold Francis, Hymir Ari Hymason, Inflamed Wood, Jacob Juice, Jeffrey Toon, Joe Horn, Jonathan Carney, Gomer Kyles, 79, Laura, the Modern Major General's Story, Mike Jackson, Mad Mitch Dunaway, Mondo Spieler, Mr. Peabody, On to June, Orange Hat Reviews, Out of Step with Reality, Priscilla Hall, Rosetta Owen, Stan Andrian, Teresa Martin, or Miss Martin Muses, Theodore Benden, Tina Bojan, and Tina B., the Empress of the Universe. Thank you very much for supporting me over on Patreon. Also to my subscribe star peeps, UAB Mad Dog, which is Mr. Mike Jackson, Storm Tracker, The R., Fast Reaction, Nosferatu Gatsu, Stan 4, John B., Mr. Roy, Glinzer, J. Alex McCarthy Jr., Dean Heiss, Slash, the new number two, J-Rod, the beer guru, and ZK-Man. And also a huge shout-out to the newest members over on Subscribestar, T.L. John, Trent Johnson, and Matt317. Thank you all very much for supporting me over on the Subscribestar platform. And to my three local supporters, we got Kara Tharp, UAB Mad Dog, which is once again Mike Jackson, super supporter over there, and Robert Barnes. Thank you very much for supporting me over on the Locals platform. And if you want your name shouted out at the end of every live stream and video, please think about signing up on either of those platforms. You can find a link in the description below that will lead you to all of those different pages. It is known as the Willow link, as it is W.L.O. link, and it will have all the links to that, to the Discord channel, to all different kinds of places, including places to support me as well. At the Citizen of Asgardian level, you get Citizen of Asgardian levels, how it's labeled on Patreon. Still need to fix that, but the Citizen of Asgard level, you get a shout-out at the end of every live stream and video. If you join at the Army of Asgard level, you also access to a giveaways channel, which is featured on the Discord that I have. I know, River, it is very exciting. It is so exciting. Where you get giveaways for things like 4K titles, steelbook titles, etc. Again, I got some 4K uh, steelbooks of The Punisher, for instance. I've got 4Ks of tons of other movies, so I'm giving those away all the time. So if that sounds interesting to you, join the Army of Asgard level. Also, at the Keep of the Bifrost level, you get all of that stuff. Plus, you get access to a once a month and maybe twice a month. We're trying to work on trying to add an extra podcast in there of me and John the Flick Pick Flickinger, where we talk about movies. And also, you get to ask your questions questions any questions that you want to ask you get to ask with that podcast and then you have the chosen of valhalla level which is you access to all of those and also a once a month podcast where you get to be featured with me on the main channel we all get to talk together about movies culture pop culture anything really that the chosen want to talk about or anything the chosen wants to promote is on the table so if you like that, if you like that, join at the Chosen of Valhalla level. Also, during your first month of support, you'd get a free t-shirt. Any t-shirt that you want from the main store, you get access to. And I do ship internationally anywhere in the world. Anyway, you guys are all amazing and beautiful people. Hope you all have a wonderful rest of your day. And as always, God bless.